right, everybody, welcome to the Drunk Tank Podcast, episode 4.5, The Lost Retake episode. Oh, my God. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this this has been a trial and tribulation in the last week and a half. Oh, okay, um, brief recap of how miserable this has been. My computer <laughs> is dying that we do the live stream on, and we do all like the recording and editing on my end, and then Chris has his computer where he edits his side. But the problem is, is I got to rip the video and the audio from my computer side and send it to him so he can do his side of the stuff. Well, my computer broke and it's dying. It's on its last legs. It's six years old. So we've had to, we've had to like, we had to take last week off because we just, we had no way to record the podcast, audio, visual, none of it. I have spent the last week Frankensteining some way to make this happen. I have sacrificed a chicken. And I ate a whole bag of shrimp, so hopefully it works. So, um, as we start the show, as always, welcome to the show. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Um, sweating bullets right now. <laughs> sweating bullets. I'll tell you after the podcast. I don't do it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> but, man, how's, how's work? How you been? What's, what's, what's been things for you? Yeah, to be honest... This week is actually, for work-wise, it's not been that great. It's been really, really quiet um, over the last couple of days. There was a really, really good story that came out of Glasgow, especially over the weekend that we'll get into later on in the nice. the show. But it's it, it gave me a good a good 24-hour drinking session. Ooh, I'm wow. not going to lie. We're lucky that we didn't record this last night because I was in no fit state. <laughs> we couldn't record it last night because I had no way to record it, so you're safe. <laughs> so, hey, buddy, well, what you drinking? Uh, what, what's your opening round tonight? What do you got? Yeah, well, I am drinking. Well, last week I was enjoying the Eagle Brewery. I right. got a banana bread beer, um, yeah. which none of you will ever know that happened, but it <laughs> happened. Um, so this year, or this week, I've got Another one from Eagle Brewery, and it is a sticky toffee pudding. Ooh, nice. Um, it's not as... Last, the, the banana bread one, there was a lot of flavour. Like, you could taste the banana. Um, this one, it's more of a, a subtle hint and smell that you get. Right. But other than that, it just it tastes like a kind of... Just a, an enjoyable craft beer. Nice. Um, nothing to shout home about in my personal opinion but nothing that like i wouldn't not drink it again okay if my taste fancied it nice uh what what, what are you looking at price wise because we like to we like to let everybody know what we're thinking on uh, price. well i picked this up in a store actually down in england when i was there last week for just under two pounds Okay. Um, but it was on sale. I'm not sure how much it kind of goes on their websites and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will link the, the kind of links in the kind of descriptions of the podcast and right. YouTube video and stuff like that for you to look up. I got to remember to do that when I upload the video. I keep forgetting to do that. <laughs> like I put in all the socials and shit, but I forget to put in the, the drink links. So uh, you said like, like two pound, right? But it was on sale. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it. I think it was on sale, but to be honest, here, if you're buying, like, I just bought, like, I think I bought like six different bottles, 
and it was all like two pounds each. Right. Like if you buy like a case, obviously, but a lot of our craft beers and stuff like that, you don't buy cases in like our local supermarkets. It's all just individuals. Right. So they tend to be round about. It kind of ranges from like one pound fifty to about three pounds, depending uh-huh. on alcohol content, brand, and stuff. So that was in the kind of middle of the pack. Nice. Price. Yeah. Um, me tonight, I'm drinking, uh, it's a local brewery. It's, uh, Sprecher. They make like, uh, they make really good, like craft sodas. And I noticed that they did like a hard version of root beer. And I was like, oh, we'll give that a shot. Cause I've never had it. I've had the root beer. The root beer is really good. Their ginger ale is really good. Their cherry Coke is really good. So I got this as part of that, uh, that pick six when we started the, the podcast. Remember? Yeah. So I, my goal is every, every six weeks, just go get another like mix and match and try and kind of see what's what. Yeah. That runs about eight bucks for a six pack for those. It's not bad. I mean, it tastes like root beer, but there, there's a little bit of a, like a spiciness on the back end. You really can't taste the alcohol, but you can, you can, you can tell it's there. Yeah. I think I said, so there's, there's a lot of drinks over here that you get like that, where it's, it's, it's like, we call it the danger drink. Yes. Because you can drink it like water, and then after four and 20 minutes, you go, ah, this was a bad idea, and I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we call those candy over here. Because <laughs> you, you get yeah. a couple in you, and you're like, oh, fine. And then you, as soon as the air hits you, you get smacked in the mouth with a shovel, and you're on your ass. You're like, oh, God. See, that was what, uh, when I went to Dublin quite a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, funny enough to go and see a Bruce Springsteen concert, um, <laughs> and it was the first time I was in Dublin, and it was the Guinness there. Now, I, I like Guinness here, mm-hmm. but over there, like, you walk into a bar, any bar in Dublin, and they'll have seven or eight pints of Guinness on the go because it takes so long to actually settle to right, time it. Yeah. So they just have them ready to go. So when somebody comes in and orders it, they'll be like, oh, the next one's two minutes away or the next one's five minutes away and stuff like that. And then they just keep on adding as you get taken away. And we were in a bar for maybe an hour, an hour and a half, and I had six. Whoa. And I thought, ah, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. This was before the, the gig. I was like, ah, yeah, you're fine, we're fine. We're a 10-minute walk, let's go. As soon as I walked out, I do not remember most of that evening. You were stealing. Because it's just like the Guinness just sort of like over the eyes. That was it. I was, <laughs> I mean, I can remember a lot of the gig, but it was moments in the gig like that were just parts of gigs that will just always stay with you. Right. Um, but it was definitely a, 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 a special drink there uh, that I do not recommend having that much, but I definitely recommend going to Dublin and trying the Guinness. Yeah, it's it's, it's on Bernadette and I's uh, list. Like like I said when I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago, once the kids are old enough, because we can't, you know, it's expensive to bring everybody with you, when the kids are yeah. out doing their thing, Bernadette and I want to hit the Ireland, Scotland, London, because we got a lot of friends over there. So we want to go da 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 and then hit back home. So that that's that's definitely one of the things is I definitely want to make it to Dublin. I definitely got to make it up by you. And there's a bunch of dudes like in England, and I got a got a buddy in Kent and a guy and a uh, buddy in Manchester that I got to go visit. So yeah, we're hoping in the next five years, as long as we're all friends and we're all you know rich and being like, haha, we're famous. 
<laughs> well, it's it's hard to get rid of me once once I'm here. That's it. <laughs> I know, I know. It's hard to get rid of me too. I'm like one of those types that's like, eh, I'll stick around. But yeah, yeah speaking of gigs and getting knocked out of your skull, uh, back in 2000, I was at a convention called Gen Con. It was a big like gamer role playing card game convention that they have over here. Um, we we were there for four days, bro. We rolled in day one, dropped off our shit, found a bar, right? Me and my boy found a bar. We were talking. And back then, I just, I uh, I grew up in bars as a bartender, so I got to know the bartenders. So yeah. we went back day two, got to know them better, started drinking more, started hanging out with the bartenders, knew who the fuck they were, getting ripped out of our mind. Night three, night three, I had a moment, right? Night three, we roll in full crew. Full crew, line out the door, right? And my friend is like, oh, we're never going to get in. Da, 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 da. I'm like, bitch, sit down. You're with me. You know, I, I, I was I was decked out. Line out the door. I kind of walk past the line. I'm like, hey, you know, the, everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. Walk up to the bar, go to the bartender. Hey, boss, what's going on? He literally turns around when he hears my voice. He goes, hey, what's up? I was like. Like, are we going to be able to get in tonight or what? He goes, yeah, what do you need? And the dude standing next to me is like, hey, I was here first. The bartender literally goes, shush. That crew has paid my rent in the last three days. So we literally got, we literally got, we skipped the line and we had just racks of shots. Back in the, back in that day, I wasn't drinking beer. It made my stomach turn, but I was doing shots. So every time I did a round of shots with my crew, I had to do a round of shots with the bartenders. And we were doing this stuff called Surfers on Acid. It's Chambord, Malibu, Jägermeister, and Pineapple Juice in equal parts. Oh. Interesting. Oh, God. Very interesting. Oh, God, dude. Dude, I literally did... It had to have been close to a dozen or more shots. It literally, because we just, we just kept getting them, right? Because when we walked in and we were we were getting everybody in the crew, I noticed that the pool tables were covered up. So I told the bartender, John, I said, hey, John, what's with the pool table? He goes, we're waiting for you. We covered them up because you guys would play pool every night. So we were holding them for you. I was like, oh, okay. So it was like us and me and six people, right, in this corner of this bar, in the middle of, like, Milwaukee, just took over this spot. Everybody's like, who the fuck are those guys? So I'm going between the bar and the pool area, doing shots with my crew. My crew. We leave to go back to the convention because it was 24 hours. Bro, I walked out and that hot August air hit me, and I was like, I got piss. So I literally went down an alleyway and pissed on a building, right? Turns out it was the fucking federal building, and the security guard was coming around the corner right when I was pissing. So my friends are like, hurry up, shove in your, shove in your pants, it's the security guard. So I literally like wobbled down the alleyway, pissing. We end up making it to the mansion and a hijinks ensue. So yeah, I can definitely understand the, 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 the Springsteen gig. 100%. 100%. Drunkest I've ever been in my life. Drunkest I've ever yeah, been in my life. I would love to say that was the drunkest I'd ever been at that concert, but... 
like we could easily just have a special podcast episode where we share just mad drunk stories that would easily take up an entire hour so i've drank in many a places in many a countries and got myself into many a shit storms dude i got Um, a bar fight in texas that's the story for another i've never been in a bar fight i've never been in a fight due to alcohol don't worry, we'll, we'll, like, I'll start one in Scotland. They can't throw me in jail. I'm a, I'm a foreigner. They'll be like, he didn't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't recommend them start the fight in Scotland. <laughs> what? Like, I can take you to where in Paris, it's fine. The Romans couldn't, neither can you. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our main time here. Let me adjust the screen. Do, 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 do. So let's talk. We're talking about courtesy, respect, and common sense because the last two weeks, I mean, I've been I'm kind of salty. I'm 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 gonna try, I'm gonna try and keep it professional, but I got some grievances to air, okay? And I don't want to be that old gray beard who's like these kids today. But let me tell you, these kids today are fuck, man. Oh, okay. I work in a professional security setting for my day job when I'm not podcasting or streaming, right? So, it's a customer service position. Here's the problem I have, is when I do my job and I give you directions or whatever, why the fuck is it that people think they can just disregard what I say or sneer at me because I'm wearing a uniform? Like, common courtesy is when I walk out and say, hey, welcome to X, Y, and Z, I may help you. The least you could do if you had any sense growing up, is be like, okay, this gentleman is going to tell me what I need to know because clearly I don't know what the hell I need to know, right? Yeah. It's not the case. I've been doing this job 14 years, and it's like, I've never felt so lost as I do this week because it seems like every time I politely engage somebody in a professional setting, it's, oh, well, he's just a -a rent-a-cop, fuck him, right? But if I go out, to the store and I, you know, help people out or whatever. Cause I tend to like, if I see someone's lost, I'll be like, ma'am, do you need help? Can I, you know, I'll grab something off a top shelf or, you know, whoever, if they're shorter in a wheelchair or whatever. And the, the juxtaposition that I do to what I see kind of really unnerves me lately. And I was out with my middle daughter and, or my oldest daughter, my, my, I have a middle son, oldest daughter. I was out with my oldest daughter, and I had helped this woman in the store. And then we were walking out, and there was this young lady. She had a bunch of kids with her, and she was packing groceries in her car. Well, I walked over and said, ma'am, I have kids. Would you like me to help you get it done while you put the kids in the car seat? And she said, yeah, sure, whatever. And I loaded them up, and I get back in my car, and my daughter was like, you're too nice. And I was like, no, I'm just being courteous. She goes, Dad, I, I get you're being nice, and I'm, I'm nice to everybody, and I do things too, but you seem to, like, be extra nice. And I'm like, I didn't see it as too nice, or I just saw it as courtesy and respect. But then when I'm wearing my uniform trying to do my job, everybody's like, ah, fuck you. And it's like, am I the only one that, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to frame this argument right, because I'm the juxtaposition of being at work and getting treated a certain way to... The way I am and have my kids treat people disturbs me. Do you know what I'm getting at? 
Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. Um, here there is a kind of similar, like I think on the kind of work basis, I think that's more down to stereotypes than anything. Because like whenever we hear like like the whole rent a cop thing is mm. such an American term, like at no point if we are like it's security. Right here, it's always been security. So uh, when you've got a security at the front of a store, you've got security at a warehouse. You've, it's always just been security yeah. until you're at a bar and it's a bouncer. Right, it's a um, bar back here, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's still it's security. Um, we've never uttered the phrase rent a cop, but whenever you hear about the American kind of stuff and like the movies and, and stuff like that, um, the rent-a-cop thing always seems to come from this disrespect, like, it's not a real job, you think you're a cop and all that. Yeah. I think it's because in the movies you can always say that they, they seem to proclaim them as, like, they think they're a police officer. It's yeah. just, it's a, they, they try to go for, well, is a security here? It's not a kind of, like, you don't go from a security guard to a police officer. It's two completely different training techniques. Yeah, it is here too. So it's like, you're, like, you're not even considered as a kind of backup police officer if you're in security. It's your own thing. And let's be honest, to be a security officer in any setting is a badass position. And congratulations and full respect to anybody that does it. Because it is an, an unsung like the amount that you walk up the the, the city centre in, in Glasgow and the amount of drunks and just assholes that cut about it's the bouncers and security guards that keep everybody safe not just the pub goers so I, and I've got, I've had a couple of friends that have worked there and they've even said that there's been times where they'd be working a door and something would kick off and it would go through the radio and there would be bouncers and security from four different bars would come across to yeah. help because it was a family. Like, all security guards helped each other, and that was the kind of way it was. So here especially, I don't think I've ever had that. I mean, there is a lot of other jobs and other situations where, like, the whole not just lack of respect or common courtesy or just common decency um but funny enough when you'd said that the kids these days most of the times that i felt disrespected or or anything like that has been from the older generation yeah, see really? the ones that claim that you have to respect your elders they're the ones that tend to have the most disrespectful term for everybody else, like they're the ones that have this entitlement that because I'm old, I should be respected. And it's like, well, if you're an arsehole, I'll treat you like an arsehole. It doesn't matter if you're five or eighty-five. If you're an arsehole, I will treat you like one. Like, like that's how it works. Respect is earned, not given. So yeah. that's yeah. how I would see it. And with your whole thing with the store, I would never think that that is you being too nice because. In this world these days, we need more of that. Like, yeah, considering what fuck's going on, I would love to see more people go out their way and go and help, not just a, a woman with children, but just 
help anyone that like there's always every time somebody says that or oh, you're being too nice have you noticed how it only applies when you do something that you gain nothing from yeah like seeing if you do something for somebody that you get something in return it's just you're helping out a buddy you're thinking like but if you go out your way to help somebody that you get no recognition no prize no nothing it's considered as being too nice and it's like what happened to that? Like, what's what's wrong with just going out your way and help somebody just for the sake of it? Like, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because um, being a professional security officer in the in the corporate setting that I am now, um, I I've been a barback, I've been a bartender, so I've worked both. I've worked that avenue of security too, and in the aspect of being a barback and a bouncer. I actually have had more respect mm. given to me than what I've done now as like a like a professional security officer, like a uniformed security officer, because it seems like to me, and, and this goes for like a lot of customer service uh, people I've seen, like over here in America, cu- shitting on customer service seems to be like an okay thing. And it's like, that dude's making your sandwich or that woman's bagging your groceries, like, why are you going to, yeah. like, fucking talk shit to them or give them attitude when they're just trying to do a job? And then why are you going to listen to everything I explained to you on how to get to where you're going in my facility? And then two seconds later go, well, I don't know where I'm going. Like, are you, like, <laughs> not raised to listen? Like, are you not taught that when somebody in a position to help you is, is giving you directions or something that you just are like fuck off like it just boggles my mind because yes the older generation i do get a lot of disrespect from because they do have that sense of entitlement but it seems like to me that the the younger people that i deal with have more of an an absence of social like decorum or or social morose where the older generation carries that chip on the shoulder of entitlement, this younger generation's like, they don't, they were never taught it or they didn't get it. Yeah. And like, I go out of my, my girlfriend and I go out of our way to make sure our kids, like when we're out, is like, please, thank you. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Hold the door for people going out, you know? And I know a lot of parents do that, but I don't see a lot of it anymore. Or maybe I just see the, the, the instances of, of lack thereof. And, I just, I don't know what it was, but this last two weeks, I've noticed a lot of, I've, that's, I've noticed all those things lately and it, and it caused me to wonder, which is why I wanted to talk about it is, is it, is it, we don't see the ones that are doing what they should, or is it, we're so used to looking for the ones that don't do it, that we see them more, or is it times have just changed in that social cues or, or social morasses have sort of fall into the wayside. Um, I, I definitely think it's the second one, if I'm being honest. Um, I do always think, like, you, you just have to look at media these days, and uh, it's the good never get publicity. Right. It's always the bad. You look at, like, straight off the bat, feminism. Oh, Everybody oh, 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 oh. always goes about feminism. Right. What you see 
about these angry women yelling is not feminism. No, it's not. That is not feminism. Feminism isn't about getting women more things. It's about the equality between women and men. It's they, they look at the likes of um, like male suicide rates. What can be done is time with that because like all that kind of stuff. Uh, the other one is like vegans. There's such a big hatred towards vegans because the only times you hear about vegans are ones that yell and shout and all that kind of stuff. In those two instances, you're like, all you hear is the bad things. But there's a lot of good people that are actually fighting for the the right things. And I think in the last two weeks, considering what you've been going through with, like, say, working your computer, I think your mentality would also be looking for the worst in things, just on a kind of subconscious level. So I think that's why you've noticed a lot more. You'll probably find that if you were a, if you had been recording every instance for the last year, you'd probably find that it's not been any more or less than what it's normally been. It's just been your subconscious has kind of brought out more because you've been stressing about everything's going at work, your move, your computer, streaming, like right. you've got a lot of plates spinning. Yeah. And when that's gone, the, when you think the only plate that you'll ever actually see is the one that's fallen. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. So I think it's definitely the setting one in that it's not that the good things don't happen. It's just that in your head, it's the good things are what you'd want to see and it's normal to you. Oh, like it's okay. something you would normally do. Right, so right, right. Why would it pop out to you? Okay. Like it's like you eat your breakfast, you don't notice really every morning that you've eaten your breakfast. It's just it's normal you eat it. But in the morning that you don't eat your breakfast, when you get to lunchtime, you'll notice that you've no eaten your breakfast because it's no normal. When you get to 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you go, I'm a lot hungrier than I should have been. So I think that plays a part. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I, th- I think, I think, uh, it, 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 you make, you make a great point with it being the norm. Like for me, when I, when I'm out, I was raised to, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, you clean up your mess, whatever, you open the door. Yeah. So, like, I try to stress that on my kids. So, to me, like, respect and courtesy are, are very important, especially not just inside the house, but outside the house. So, like, when I when I see things of, like, lack of decorum or lack of courtesy, it, it does, it does, it does prickle my, my Haskells, you know? You're just like, ooh, what, like, what's wrong yeah. with, like, how... And I, I've always wondered if that's, like you said, if that's maybe because I was raised that way. So when something is out of my norm, yeah. it, it, it it picks up on my radar. But I don't know. It just seems like, especially lately, it just seems like with the pandemic and everything that it seems a lot of like courtesy and just common sense and respect is on a downward trend. But because and i'm not trying to get political or whatever but there's this whole like well why do i need to wear a mask it's my personal choice uh the science is inconclusive yada yada like like it so what like if they're right you save somebody's life 
If they're wrong, you wore a piece of cloth on your face for a couple months and you look kind of like you look. Yeah. Like but, that's a big inconvenience against a shitty inconvenience. Right. And I, I think yeah. I think instances where I see a lack or my perceived lack of, of courtesy or, or or respect, it just I don't know, it's just something that I just I find drives me buggy. And I was I was wondering if if that's just a me thing or if that's like a like changes to society because kids today and even us me and you being a little older me being older than you technology has shifted the way we communicate the way we the way we interact with people especially yeah. like nobody calls anymore you notice that well i mean i, I hate calling yeah, that's what I mean. Nobody calls. I hate calls. I don't want to talk on the phone. I love to talk on the phone. Don't text me. I don't. I can't tell if you're mad at me. If you're telling a joke, like I can't tell the inflection, the context, or the the way you're trying to express yourself. So to me, getting yeah. a text message is like, what? No, 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 no. Call me if you got something important to say. Don't send me a wall of text because I don't know which way it's coming. But I go to talk to my daughter, either one of them, and they're like, Dad, don't call me. Just text me. I'm like, no. Because I have a more complex train of conversation than fucking text. <laughs> the, the, I can be the argue of the other side. Like, All right. I can be the argue from your daughter's side. All right, let's because go. I have... I wouldn't say scientific, but it's the way I see it. Anecdotal. In the last maybe year, I've done a lot more calling only because I've been doing a lot more driving. So I can't, I have to use hands free. I can't be texting. So if I'm calling like my boss or I'm calling like my friend or anything like that, um, I'll call them just on hands free while I'm in the van driving and stuff like that. Um, There is certain topics where if I need an immediate sort of reply, I'll most likely call just like if I'm in a store or something like that and I'll call to say, look, I'm at the store. Do you need anything before right. I leave? Because I know a lot of people don't do the texting thing. So if I text somebody, it's four hours before the reply and then I'll get a reply. Oh, can you pick me? It's like, no, no, I can't because I'm home. <laughs> but with the texting thing, I was always so, so busy. With it, like, no, I've been doing the drive, the, the deliveries, and all that kind of stuff for fuck 12 years. Yeah, oh, that's heartbreaking to know. <laughs> um, but I've been doing it for the last 12 years, mm. and what it got to the point was, uh, my uh, mate from Holland, we used to have a kind of running text thread basically. Right where we would have, like, seven conversations, seven different paragraphs, like, full-blown, like, 4,000-word essays. Right. But the way my mind worked and the way her mind worked, because, like, ADHD was a thing, um, (laughs) I would look, like, see, for me, text messages and that aren't important. See, I would look at the notification. If I deem it important, I'll reply straight away if I have the time. 
If not, we'd worked it that we had like seven conversations going at the same time and we replied every four or five hours. Sometimes we'd only reply to each other twice a day. Uh-huh. But it would be like in the morning before I started work, I would reply to her message for when she went to her bed. And I would go type everything out. It would take me a good 30 minutes to type everything out. But the reason why I prefer texting is because ADHD and just how my mind works is I hate being put on the spot to converse. If you text me, I can take five, ten minutes to read what you've said, read what you've asked, formulate a reply, think it through, and and then reply to it. And then you get all the information that you require in that. Whereas if we're on the, the a call and you ask if you're talking, it's like one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why this podcast I wanted to start with alcohol <laughs> is because it sets me into a thing where I can just talk and everything's fine. Because if I was sober, this would be terrifying. Because you would be expecting a rebuttal for me that I don't have enough time to think about what you're saying, think about a, an answer, think about the, the subject, and then form a reply. In this setting, you just need to be able to back and forth. Now, on the sauce, I can fucking talk for Britain, but that's where my mind kind of goes, is that... It allows you to be able to think things through before just speaking your mind. And the funny thing about it is when people say, oh, texting's time, it's just call. It's it's normally the same people that will use the phrase, think before you speak. Right. That's just what, what we've taken that generational thing of think before you speak. And that's what we're doing. It's just through text. Yeah. The, the difference that I've got for other people is, see if I'm annoyed at you, I'm not someone that hides it. I will text you. I'm pissed off at you. Here's the reasons why and very formative bullet points. Right. So you'll never, ever feel confused as to my feelings towards you because if I'm annoyed, you will know I'm annoyed because I'll just tell you I'm pissed off. I'm annoyed at this. This this has annoyed me and all that. So I think what the problem is, is there's too many people that don't like to call, but don't articulate text enough. Yes. That's, they hide that's a great behind point. it. They kind of, they'll say what they want and leave it up to you to decipher and decide what it means, which is just shit like that. No, that I, I agree with you on that form is that, People are lazy texters. Yes, but, yes, definitely. But texting is an actual way of communicating. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think you need to be able to use it properly. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think I think the difference between voice communication and, and texting is the the methodology of thinking before you speak. Where if you're doing a voice conversation, you you, for the most part, can hear inflection, tone, emotionality, yeah. where in a text, because like like you articulated, people are lazy texters, they don't do the work to articulate in the text exactly what they're getting. So like, 
if you if you text your friend and be like, hey, you know, I know yesterday was rough. Uh, are we cool? And then your friend texts back, yeah. Yeah, we're cool, or yeah, fuck you. Like, yeah. And that that's where I have a problem, and, and it kind of it, it kind of tails back into my whole idea of like courtesy is like a lot of courtesy and and social cues come off of languages that aren't verbal. We got body language, we got emotionality, we've got the way we the way we just gesticulation is also part of body uh, body language, but like the way somebody gesticulates their hands when they talk or they. They roll their head. You ever see those commercials where the commercials like, and this is the time where we, yeah. like, a lot of that, a lot of that, I and I've noticed it in in my kids especially is body language and tonality has definitely gone. Understanding those things have definitely gone down because like I'll come home because I've talked to you on stream about it. I have several different voices that I use. Like I have my yeah. stream voice where I'm projecting and there's energy and I'm pop 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 keeping things moving, and then there's that more private tone where I just you know I sort of drop yeah. my tone, and my voice is a little deeper. So like if I come home and my daughter's like, "Hey, Dad, how are things?" and I'm like, "Oh, I'm fine," you know, whatever. If I use this sort of more deeper, like more relaxed bass tone, my normal sort of tone. She wigs out. She's like, what did I do wrong? Is something wrong? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, mm. no, I just don't feel like putting it out. I don't feel like putting on the yeah. voice. And I notice it too that like if I walk into a room a certain way and everybody looks at me, if I if I walk in and I don't like sort of like bebop or, or body roll or whatever, they're like, oh shit, dad's mad. If I just sort of walk in and put my stuff down and I'm a little hunched over. They're like, "Oh shit!" So I, I definitely think in in communication and and social cues, body language and sort of tonality, and I have definitely gone downhill due to just like the way we've sort of become more online connected. We're more yeah. personally disconnected in some ways, and I think that that also leads to some of my frustrations in like social spaces. Because I grew up in the generation where you hugged your boy, you you high fived your guy, you called him an asshole, like you you had a more like physical like body language, you had a more emotionality sort of yeah. social interaction. Where now the younger generation like you and, and even junk, younger generations like my kids are like they just text whatevs or like they'll walk a certain way or like even if they're happy they walk a certain way or or like they just talk a certain way and it's like are you happy? Are you sad? Do you need a steak? Do I need to hit you with something? Like, <laughs> because I don't think that they, I don't think on some levels that they, they got what I got growing up because of the way society changed it and sort of tech has changed the world a little bit. I don't think yeah. it's necessarily a bad thing. Like you said, I just think that I either need to be more patient and adapt to them more or, as a whole, we need to be less lazy with communication and and remember that courtesy and respect and people are have different perspectives of the way things are perceived. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just being an ass today. I don't know. No, I don't say you're wrong. I think I definitely agree with a, a few of your points. Um, I do think technology has come in the last 
10, 15 years, technology has came on leaps and bounds. Okay. Like it's, it's went a lot faster than I think a lot of people expected. Yep. And I think one of the main problems is technology's moved on that fast and we're still got too many people that aren't willing to accept that, that is, like, this is the, the new age. Like it's it's funny because you think back to the likes of the Stone Age and then they moved into the Bronze Age. Right. And I'd, I'd love to have seen that moment, like that transition period where, like, you had the, the older generations of the Stone Age going, look at these people with their fancy carts. Why can't you know, just put two sticks together and just drag? Like, that, like... I feel as if that's the same thing that's happening here is we've now moved from the age that we were in to the technology age right. where it's it's up to the kind of older generations to accept that this is where we're going but it's up to like the now to implement teachings and how to use like We've had so much technology thrown against or uh, upon us, but you're still learning in schools things from the eighties, right? Like, like when I was when I was in school, we had one computer class a week for an hour. Yeah, so that was back in like the the late nineties, early thousands, and then when we went into the kind of mid thousands, it was still you'd maybe get two or three classes of computer. Kind of, mm. and you're like, that's kind of still how it's done. Like they've not moved on to go well. Technology's a bigger part. Let's implement more teachings to how to use the the technology that we've got, rather than just shunning it as if it's this or it breaks tradition. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure tradition of marriage used to be you club them over the head and drag them into your cave. What happened to tradition? Facts. So it's like, you can't pick and choose the traditions that you want to follow and demand that they're known as traditions. Times change and we evolve. Technology evolves. People evolve. Nature evolves. The the problem is, is too many people want to hold on to yesteryear, like the good old days. Your good old days aren't the same years as my year. Right. So it's like, like mad good old d- days, I would say it was kind of mid-thousands to like 2012, 2013. I had a great time back then. Right. But I wouldn't say that somebody that was born in 2000 would turn around and say, well, 2005, they were the good old days, even though I can't remember them. Right. But I would, we would turn around and go, ah, well, like people talk about like the 80s and the 90s. I Ugh. I loved the nineties. That's what I grew up in. But right. like me too. I wouldn't say they were the best years of my life. But like other people would disagree. Right. <laughs> so uh, on that going back to that, I, I I I do think you're right in saying that the way some people text and that kind of stuff, it's hard to get those social cues. But at the same time, the two uh, examples that you gave of you coming in and if you had a you didn't put on your bigger voice 
your kids would think that you were they'd upset you. But that isn't the truth. That isn't what happened. So that's in face to face. They were still not able to understand the social right. cues. So you unable to st- understand the social cues in Texan and them unable to understand the social cues there just shows that it's not that you value one side more than the other. It's just that you were born in a generation that that was the norm. Right. Now, the, the norm for your daughters in that is technology. And maybe it's a, a, an opportunity for you to kind of go, like, like you were talking about on a, a Wednesday and a Thursday, you don't stream and that kind of stuff so that you can give, like, family time. Mm-hmm. But whenever you try to do it, your kids are like, oh, no, no, I don't I, I want to play with this or with that. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to go to, like, your daughter and go, right, I want to learn more about this texting. Right. How how do I think me this and that? And then one, you're learning how to kind of get into this age, but you're also able to spend time with your family in which you can then impart, oh, that's quite interesting because this is how we would when we were growing right. up. And then you'll get that across so that when you come in from work and like everybody thinks that you don't have a bad day. You don't have a good day. You just come in and you just think, I just want to chill for a minute. Yeah. You're not in a bad mood, but it is like, if I come in, like I, I know it myself, see if I come in and I'll go, like, I'm just going to come straight up the stair into my room. I just want to take my shoes off, get out of my work clothes and just chill for a minute. Right. It is always the, is everything okay? I was like, all right, everything's perfectly fine. I just, today of all days, I just thought I want to sit down for five minutes. Right. So so it's like, I would see it as an opportunity to be able to blend the generations, like use it to your advantage rather than just say, oh, what you're doing is like so, like get off your phone. Like that is that is not an excuse anymore because like it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's life now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you make a great point. I, I think that societal shift plays a major role in the way we perceive courtesy and respect. Because maybe for somebody who's younger than me, being courteous is texting them instead of calling them. Yeah, it, it's just it's it, it's a great point, and it's it's a great point of discussion because. All too often we get wrapped up, like you said, in, in the way things were or the way we the way we did things. And for me, I'm in my forties, so like I didn't have computers growing up. Like they yeah. weren't a thing. Like I knew I I saw them come in. Like I was like, oh, like I watched them grow and develop, and I'm like, huh. And I didn't have my own computer till fuck, man. I was like twenty five. Where my kids now got, they got a computer, they got a tablet, they got an Xbox, like, yeah. and it's just like, and it's like, okay, one, I get that's your thing, but barring the pandemic, there's a whole great outdoors. Go do something. So another aspect of it is I, I agree with the fact that like I've got a nephew who's seven, eight, I think he's eight this year um, 
and he likes to sit on the computer, he likes to sit on the Xbox, he likes to sit on his tablet and watch YouTube and that kind of stuff. Now, when he comes up to here, we've got a trampoline at the back. Nice. So through like the summer and all that kind of stuff, he's out, he'll be out there for six, seven hours mm-hmm. just standing. But it's like, it's hard to think. Like when I was younger, me and about 20 of my friends yep. out in the street yep. would be out playing hide and seek, chasing, oh, yeah. football, rounders, all sorts. Now, I, it was about a year ago, and I, I still vividly remember it because I'd even made like a Facebook post or not about it, is I, I was driving along doing a job and I seen three kids on their bikes with backpacks gone on a bike ride. And I thought, I have not seen that in years. Yeah. I've not seen children outside on an adventure. Yeah. Just going and enjoying the world. And I do think it is down to a lot of the technology and that kind of stuff. But I think at the same time, again, it comes down to how you kind of impart that. Like turning around and going, there's a whole thing, go outside yep. and play and all that kind of stuff. But if you were a incorporator of, you understand that technology is a main thing, but let's come to an agreement where at some point every week we go out and we see nature, we see time, we just go out and think, because it is, you keep, everybody keeps on turning around and saying, oh, there's a whole world outside. Yeah. But nobody wants to take them exactly. and in the world. You just tell them that there's a world outside and it's like, go out and play. And it's like, the, in this day and age, because of all the shit that people come up with in the world and how many assholes there is that's completely ruined the kind of like, nobody trusts to yes. allow their children to go out in the streets and play because you don't know who else is in the streets. Exactly. So it's like, at that point, you need to take it upon yourself then, like, Mon, let's go in the car. Yep. We're going it, and we like, do. I'll show you the the, the world that I knew. Yeah, and, and we do big time. That's a huge thing for us. Is we do. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you made a great point, and I wanted to hit on it. Um, we do. We we go out to the parks. We go out to the gyms together. We go we go camping. We go we go see shit. Like yeah, because it is important to have that social interaction so you can learn those social cues that exist outside of technology, but it is also important to expand your knowledge of the world because technology is great, but technology might not always be there. So in order to be a complete person, you kind of need to have more experience outside of the tech world. Like I know how to hunt and fish and camp and hike. And, you know, I know how to, I know how to read the stars and, you know, all that stuff. So if like, if, I know how to read a map. Like I can find my way around a city if I use a map. If my GPS fails, like, and I want to impart that to my kids. But I think a lot of that is, like you said, the generational thing of the paranoia factor is huge. Like we live in a bad neighborhood, so I'm like, you guys can go hang out in the backyard, or if you're gonna go somewhere, make sure you have a friend. Where back in the day, my mom was like, "You're out of school. Get the fuck out." Yeah, I'd be like from three or about quarter past three in the afternoon when we left school until about 10 o'clock at night. 
mm. I would be nowhere yep. to be found because we would all be like even to the point where we'd be playing like armies and stuff like yep. that. We'd be rolling about in the mud and yes, sir. Now, even nowadays everybody's like oh you can't let your wind be near the mud. So why? That's why there's so much illness in the world right now is because you're <laughs> no letting Timmy get fucking like get that wee bit of germ in him. Like, yeah. Exposure. Like houses are so bleached and clean yes. nowadays that like that was never us. Like we no. were at the back making mud slurpees. You're drinking out of the goddamn garden hose. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, that was the, that was what you had done. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I I think it's a great, I think it's a great opener of discussing the generational differences because one generation can perceive something so differently than another from whether it be texting or phone calling or or helping somebody in a in a shop to supporting somebody in a professional setting it's i think it's incumbent that we look at these and and try and say how can we do our part you know what i mean kind of like you what you were saying yeah well that actually opens up a great segue into your ramble um because when i read in the document what you wanted as the hot topic and then what you had is your ramble and i thought those are two so super conflicting statements whereas like you've literally spent the last like half an hour um discussing how being nice is like a lost yes like a lost cause and that kind of stuff people don't do it enough and that kind of stuff right yet your community came together within hours yes and has basically rebuilt your computer and you're unable to process someone being nice and we've just talked about how you don't see the nice stuff as much because it's just normal that it's something that you would do yet when it happens to you you're you an have asshole this form of like like I, I know, like you, you, you put up the the imposter syndrome and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it's just it's such a lost thing for me, where it's like how you can turn around and and say that people aren't nice enough and they need to be more nice than that. But when people are nice to you, it's like, well, why are you being nice? Why, like, I don't deserve this. Why, are you, right. like, and it's like, well, that's not the point. Because, like, it, like that's the kind of double-edged sword because it's like, well, even if you didn't deserve it, it's not up to you to decide whether would people be nice or not. But at the same time, like, there's, it takes a lot to not deserve kindness from people. And, like, I, 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 I mean, I, 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 I can't speak for everybody, but... I've not came across a moment where I would go, you don't deserve this. Because at no point in the last that would make me think otherwise. So it's just, it's like a, a, a strange thing to try and comprehend how people being nice to other people you want to see more of, but when it's involving you, it's like, why, what are you doing? Stop. Yeah, um, it it plays into the mental health discussion we had with Tim when Tim guest hosted. Um, mm. Me, I have a 
I have a weird concoction of mental health issues, and one of one of the primary ones um, is. Um, sorry to cut you. I just uh, just before we actually thought, I just want to say I listened to that episode back. Okay. When I posted it all up, not kind of stuff, and I just want to say you and Tim and that mental health part, I thought you nailed it. Like Thanks. just the way you handled the conversation was just perfect to a mass kind of mentality of it of um just how you kind of shared your experiences but you were able to kind of also like share the fact that not everyone will be able to ha- or be helped with medication or this mm-hmm. or that or that like the the broad spectrum you sort of laid out on it i thought was just phenomenal and i just wanted to congratulate and just give you the credit where you, it was due for yeah. both years in that segment I appreciate that. Yeah, I thought that segment was really well handled, too, because Tim and I are are very similar in some ways, but we're definitely really different. And the thing the thing you brought up and and the reason I wanted to bring up my ramble is because the the situation I didn't post stuff on the discord to be like, help me, help me. Like I posted it to inform everybody what the situation was. Now, for those of you that may be coming in and this is your first episode, a couple weeks ago, my computer started to have a lot of technical issues and it, it's it's essentially dying. It's on its last legs. And I work a full-time job to pay my bills for my house and I stream as a side project and do podcasting as a side project to hopefully supplant my day job sometime down the road. So I don't necessarily have the funds to replace the technology that I have now to continue doing my side projects. So I posted on Twitter and I posted on Discord, hey, this is what's going on. And and one of the things I discussed with Bernadette was, should we lower the donation goal of getting a new system? Because originally we were like, oh yeah, we'll upgrade it. We'll take a year. We'll raise funds slowly. We'll upgrade it over time so that we have a better setup and we can do better podcast presentation shows like that well when my computer hit the shitter i posted it not as sort of like a hey help me out as more of a hey this is the situation this is where we're at and the people on twitter and discord and in my personal life went oh shit docs is in a bad way here let's boom 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 and in a matter of like 48 hours what I went from like a baseline sort of like we can upgrade it over time computer turned into let's build this motherfucking monster of a rig out of spare parts and donation money. Here's the problem. And that's all great. Here's the problem. My crazy fucking ass has imposter syndrome and self-worth issues, which I've mentioned in depth in a previous podcast, but I'll, I'll briefly give you a synopsis of how my brain works. I think I don't deserve to be successful, and I think nice shit doesn't need to happen to me. I need to do for them, and everybody else needs to do for everybody else, because I am a horrible human being, and why would anybody invest in a dude like me? That's how my fucked up imposter syndrome and self-worth issues happen. So, in 48 hours, when my simple update goes to, hey, this is the situation where everybody goes, Oh, we got you. Here's a new computer. Boom. My brain then goes, fuck. 
What do we do now? How do we earn this? How do we live up to it? What are we going to do? How many shows do we need to run? How much more streaming do we need to do to make it worth their investment? What can I do? What can I pay them back? How can I do this? We need new art to make it worth its while. There's more games we can play now. There's new shows we need to do. You're not going to sleep for the next two years because everybody basically saved your bacon. So now you're going to have to work like a fucking mad dog more than you do just so that maybe, just maybe you have paid them back for it. And then, even though my logical side of my brain is like, they don't want to get paid back. They're doing it because they think you deserve it. They think that you're good enough and they want you to continue and be successful. But then self-hating brain goes, ah, logic, fuck that. Self-hating brain goes, you don't deserve it. You're an asshole. And they're crazy for betting on you. So the the part of this, the, the reason I wanted to ramble about this is not only is I wanted to kind of like tell everybody thank you, but I also wanted to, if anybody's in a situation where they receive a compliment or a gift and they feel negative about it, which I do a lot of times. Like, somebody tells me, oh, you're good looking. I'm like, no, I'm not. What the fuck's wrong with you? Or if they're like, oh, you're a nice guy. I'm like, no, I'm an asshole. Like, those reactions are so natural to me that when this thing happened, it kind of put me in a... It put me in in a headspace where I had to confront a lot of things yeah. That I not necessarily don't know how to confront, but it, it had me confront a lot of negative feelings that I had for no reason. And I had to recognize that none of this is in my control at this point. I put it out there as an update and everybody else decided independent of me to do this. So when it happened and I'll I'll have to confront these feelings for a long time. Um, I had to accept it, and I had to look at myself and go, there's nothing you can do. What are you going to do? Send it back? They'll hate your guts. Like, you can't not, you can't not accept it because it wasn't, I didn't guilt trip people. I didn't beg people. I didn't sit there and go, oh, save me, save me. So when it happened... It happened organically and naturally so that when I was in that headspace of having to confront my imposter syndrome and accept kindness, I kind of had a a moment where I was like, either you accept it and fucking do some good with it, or you let everybody down and you are what you fear, like, not what you fear most, but like what we're saying you are. You're a fraud. You're a fake. Mm. So either you 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 accept it and you deal with it, or you you become the fake. And I don't know. I honestly don't know how I feel. Like I feel overwhelmed because the way I was raised is you're a grinder. You don't count on nobody. You do the job. You don't stop till the job is done. And if you don't have it, you find a way to get it. Because no one is ever going to be there to help you out but you. And that may be a, a, a bad way I was raised, but my mom didn't have nobody. Like, she had boyfriends float in and out, but she earned every damn dime she ever had. She Like, she made sure we had clothes and shoes, and I was the oldest, so I had to do the same. And when this kindness happened, I had another 
I had to have a conversation with myself just like I had to have another conversation with myself when I got divorced. Because when I got divorced, my world was torn asunder. Like, I lost my kid. I lost the woman I loved. I lost my house. I lost my pets. I, I lost everything. Yeah. And then I I dated around and slept around and, and dated my friend Amanda, who is one of my best friends. But there wasn't love and there wasn't love and kindness there. There was kindness, but not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when Bernadette came along, there was love there, and it was like, I don't know how to deal with this because the person who said they loved me left me. So accepting kindness and compliments for me is very difficult. And when this really nice gesture that happened organically and from a from a position of we want to help you because we feel you're worth it, not because you conned us or begged us or manipulated into it, it's it's made me have more conversations with myself in a healthy way and in a negative way. And I think it's important for people who struggle with imposter syndrome and self-worth to understand that me, who is probably the worst imposter syndrome I've ever heard, can realize that maybe you're not a piece of shit, then maybe those people who have similar things can realize that they're not a piece of shit, too. I don't know. It's just the way my brain works. What do you, what do you think? I never really had experience with imposter syndrome. I didn't actually really know much about it until like you and another couple of streamers actually started bringing it up over the last couple of months. Um, so I, I I don't really have much of a, like, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a specialist or anything right. like to be able to give advice and that kind of stuff. But what I, I can kind of bring me on here is I can I understand what it's like to have a lot of things kind of ripped from you mm-hmm. and the emotions that go into it of oh, did I deserve this was this my fault um, could I have done more and stuff like that um, which is just stupid like it's it's a stupid thing to actually right. have in your head like me now I haven't been able to kind of work through it I've kind of went. This is just stupid. Like this right. is this is not how it, it goes. Um, but um, you'd said about when you're upbringing, you you tell me so. Every you were told there's nobody that's going to be there for you. It's, it's all down to you. You need to grind. You have to work. So you have to figure out a way to make it work. If time, but on a technicality, you can go well. You figured out a way to get it to work, and that was to ask for help. Like in a technicality, like I wouldn't say like you you went about it in a way I would say was an outright way, right. but technically you still went with your upbringing. Um, I think what the, the thing was is, um, like I mean I'm thirty one this year. I think you said you're forty, forty one, forty two in July, forty two July. So there's a good decade there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a long time in generational yep. things. Um, and it is one of these ones. You were obviously brought up in a time where it was a case of 
you have to grind and that and you probably heard the whole you're a you're a man and you have to work oh, yeah. and you have to provide and 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 all that kind of stuff and i think what the difference is is nowadays it's a shock to the system in men around the world because it's been made more and more kind of societal for men to admit there's something wrong and that they need help. And I know it's like you said that you were overwhelmed and that kind of stuff with how uh, your community kind of like just started, I've got this part, I've got this part, we'll ship it in, we'll time it and all that kind of stuff. I can understand how that can be overwhelming. But I'd like to hope that through it all, like once you're able to kind of work through it and kind of get your head around it, that you'll hopefully be able to see that you're you're not alone in this world. Like right. it's not just you. Nobody's going to be there to help you. That you've got a community with twenty, thirty people there mm-hmm. that will come in when it's needed. Yeah. You've got other communities and Discord communities that you're involved in that if you ever need help, there's people there. There's people out in the world that you've never met that are there to help you. And uh, it goes for anybody else in that situation. Right. Is that no matter what you've been told about, it's just you against the world and you need to fight tooth and nail for yourself. So it's not how it is. Like, there's people there that will still go out their way through no gain of their own to help you and make sure that you're able to get on your feet, you're able to continue. Because the the thing with like, your, your computer and that kind of stuff, even if, right, and this is a big if, like, I hate to say it because I don't want it to sound as if it's been a jinx and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> but... If nothing comes of the streaming right. on your end, at no point is anybody that sent in parts, sent in donations, sub to your channel in order to help you, are ever going to turn around and go, fuck, he let us down. <laughs> that is never in a million years going to be the outcome of this. So because if anybody... Is it has any involvement in streaming or Twitch or YouTube or anything like that? They know that the chances of success are so fucking slim. Yeah, that to put that amount of pressure on one single person is bullshit. Yeah, and it's it's rough. If it comes that you're the next big thing and everything works the way you want, fan fucking tastic because everybody in your community will sit there and go. I was part of that. I seen that for the start to where it is now. And see if it all goes to shit. They're not going to come battering at your door. Remember that time 40 years ago I gave you that RAM? Right. Pay it back. Like, that's that's no how it's going to work. And I hope at some point in the next while you will realise that. Because I know just how much this is eating at you mentally. Yeah, it 
it is in a way, but in in another way, it's actually been pretty beneficial because I've had to have those conversations with myself over the last forty eight hours, seventy two hours to 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 recognize that it it wasn't. And I guess I guess my just my my own personal edification is I didn't as long as I didn't manipulate people into helping me, as long as I wasn't shady about it, as long as I didn't abuse the relationships that I have to the people that helped, as long as it wasn't in a a manipulation, I I have an easier time accepting it and dealing with it. And I think through this, especially for me, it'll be a learning experience and something that I can work an example for my myself and others from. But I think you raise a great point and I, I think it's great. And I think I think imposter syndrome and self-worth are for me a lot harder to deal with because of the fact that I'm the oldest of my siblings and I had to help my mom and I you know I I've got a family and a dog and I'm the boss at work so standards of excellence and and having the ability to succeed are tantamount to putting food on the table. Yeah. And when there's a moment of well you did good when there's an attaboy moment whether it's a a gift from somebody or a compliment my my brain goes I don't need that. I I'm doing my job. And I I yeah. think I think this 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 gift and, and the help from the community is having to have me sit there and go, okay, they're doing this because they think you're worth it. Shut up and recognize for once in your fucking life that it's not always grind, grind, grind. You're all alone. Even though like Bernadette's up there and she helps out. It's a, it's a personal mentality. I'm not saying like I'm alone, but it, it's that mentality of, well, I got to do my own. I got to carry my own weight. I got to work harder. And and Tim linked an article and I didn't get a chance to read it, but there, I'll, I'll link, I'll make sure I tweet it out or I'll, I'll link it in the post because it mentioned different types of imposter syndrome. And I don't want to take forever because this has gone on a little longer than I wanted to, but I think now that I've been forced to accept more things of kindness, like from Bernadette learning to cliche love again. Ugh, I hate that word. Um, learning to be wanted again by a female or, or a significant other learning to be accepted and, and relied upon by a community to, to, to not relied upon is the wrong word, but like knowing that I provide a, a positive impact on a community of people outside of my little pack mm. are all blows to that imposter syndrome in the best way possible. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, that that's my thought on it. Let's uh, let's jump into your ramble off of me because we don't. I'm we don't. We're yep. We're yep. We're good. I got. I gotta go. Wa- I gotta go shower after this podcast now. <laughs> uh, no, well, my one is kind of it's a bit more of a local story. Um, ever we, uh, my football team, um, Rangers. Uh, after ten years of pretty much the the worst time in our history, um, we on Sunday 
we achieved our league title mm-hmm. win. Nice, congrats. Um, back in 2012, uh, well, a bit of the history, Rangers and Celtic, two yep. biggest clubs in Scotland, pretty much. Um, a lot of sectarian stuff between it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, in 2012, Rangers were put into administration. The club had went bankrupt. Uh, the HMRC, which is our basically like government tax kind right. of thing, had claimed that Rangers had uh, defaulted on tax payments that raked up into the forty million kind of mark. Wow! So Rangers were put into administration. The club's assets and stuff like that were sold to a new buyer. Um. And in that process, the Scottish League demoted Rangers from the top league to the fourth division uh, for the new campaign. Right. Uh, that meant that Rangers basically had to start from the start again. Um, and it took five years to get ourselves back up into the top division. Um, we'd won the first two divisions quite easily, and then the third or the, the the first division we didn't win the first season, and then managed to come up the next season. Right. And the last couple of years has been a bit of a rebuilding process. We've brought in some managers that worked, some managers that failed miserably on a Rangers standpoint, um, and then we brought in. Um, he actually, I don't know if you'll know him, but he played in LA for a while. Um, Stephen Gerrard, who was yes. a Liverpool legend, um, we brought him in as our first team manager. It was his first big job from the under-18s at Liverpool. Um, his first two seasons were a rebuilding. He shipped out something like 27 players. Oof. He brought in a whole bunch of his own players who he wanted. And this during all this time, Celtic had run away with their decade of dominance. <laughs> um, they'd won nine league titles in a row, a feat that has been accomplished by both Rangers and Celtic once before. Nice. Um, Rangers done it the late 80s, early 90s. Celtic had done it, I think, back in the 40s or 50s. They'd won the, the nine in a row. And everything was on this season. Rangers had came close the last two seasons. And then after the winter break, just sort of fell away, ended up losing by many points and stuff like that. But this season, everything relied on it because the thought of Celtic winning 10 in a row <laughs> was... Like it's it's funny because outside of kind of like Glasgow or outside of Scotland, it is seen like that. Like it's it's a laughing kind of god. Right. But see here, it's a religion. Yes, it's the thought of Celtic winning ten in a row, like turned my stomach. Yeah, and I'm not even your avid supporter. I don't go to games. I watch the games on the telly. Um, so. But just the, the thought was sickening that if Celtic were to win, like, th- granted that the arguments were made that the 10 in a row was always over. Like, when we won the 9 in a row, it was nine years of dominance over Celtic. Uh-huh. When Celtic won the 9 in a row, it was nine years of dominance over Rangers. For but they can't, four of the league, can't get that 10, though. 
Well, the thing with it is the four of the seasons that Celtic have, Rangers weren't in the division. So technically you can't argue that it was dominance over Rangers because Rangers weren't in that division. Okay. That's one of the arguments that Rangers fans are trying to make. But at the end of the day, they were going for 10 in a row and it was a thing. But for some, like, godlike miracle reason, <laughs> this season Celtic crumbled. They spent millions bringing in players that Rangers did, couldn't really compete with over years of just not making the money that Celtic were able to make. Okay. Um, so this this past weekend, uh, Rangers finally, after 10 years of waiting, won their 55th league title of their history, which is the most league titles any club in the world has ever won. Damn. Rangers are like like you've got like your Real Madrid, your Barcelona's, your Milan's, your Manchester United. Rangers is the most successful club in world football. They have most won the most titles, trophies, cups throughout the years. And the the point point that I was wanting to actually touch on was after ten years of this during the, 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 the fact that we're in the pandemic and there's a lockdown and that, many Rangers fans went down to the stadium, congregated, broke social distancing rules and all that uh, kind of stuff, which we need to, like, that should not have happened. Right. The club came out and stated, like, or Stephen Gerrard came out and said that fans need to go home, but at the same time, you have to understand that their emotions will get the better of them. Yep. It's, it's a big occasion. So now, th- these things aren't what I want to talk about. The bits that, the negatives that I want to talk about is through my Facebook now, f- since Saturday night, Saturday and Sunday, fireworks galore out my bedroom <laughs> window. Right. Everybody was out setting fireworks because it was a big occasion for for Rangers and my Facebook and other social media uh, things were basically filled with people complaining and moaning so all these people it's only sports do 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 and the bit that I just is why can't people just let someone enjoy something they're not hurting anybody like the ones that were breaking the, the, the social distancing rules and all that yeah condemn them they shouldn't have been doing that Right. But setting off fireworks, having a sing song, putting a flag outside your window, <laughs> why is that such an effect to your life that you have to go out your way to try and condemn it? Like, like it's not as if it was going to last for months. It lasted two days. Just let people enjoy themselves. Like it doesn't even have to be in this occasion with, with with Rangers. Just in most situations, if someone is enjoying themselves, there it's as if it's a law that there must be someone there to tell you how you're wrong. They're called and Karens. How you shouldn't be doing it. They're called like, Karens. <laughs> I mean, I can't really use that term because my mum's name is Karen. So, I know it's like, such a bad term, isn't it? <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> let's feel sorry for the actual Karens that are named Karen. Exactly. They have the worst stereotype in the world, and they've yeah. done nothing wrong. Exactly. And that, and that, that, that I mentioned that because that's that's hitting on your point. People can't let people have celebrations because it infringes upon their perceived personal privacy or personal space. It's yeah. it's you're you're disturbing my my calm. You're disturbing my truth. Oh, yeah. it's just a football game. Go away, go down the street, celebrate later. Yeah. Sports victory is catharsis. Emotional release, like I can relate. Ten years, if they'd have got that tenth win, you'd have been like, "Fuck!" They'd got the the tenth win. I would have gave up in football. Yeah, you'd have been like, like "I would no! never have another game of football." That would have been it for me. That's how much feelings was going to that. Yeah. The funniest thing about it is, like you were saying, so there's always so see the people that are outside complaining. They're the ones that I get woke up at seven in the morning on a Saturday because they're out getting work done in their garden exactly. or getting an extension built or getting something done in their house that wakes up the entire street. And you're like, if I went across to you and said, see that saw, if you don't shut that fuck up, I'm going to use it on your throat. Yeah. I would be the bad guy. Exactly. But them turning around and saying, you shouldn't be setting off fireworks because your team won a game of football. Like... Why why are they getting that support? <laughs> like yeah. that that that's still how this works. That's not no. how any of this works. And it just it just it's one of those things that I hate getting annoyed at things that are so pointless and For unimportant real. in the world. Like it really is. It's just it's it it boils my blood when I get upset. It's like when I play a game. And it annoys me. I'm like, why am I getting annoyed over a computer game? Like, I understand people, like, it's a serious thing for people and it's mm-hmm. an escape for people. But for me, it's not. It's a video game and I hate being upset by it. Right. And it's and it's a similar thing with this. Is like, it annoys me more that I'm upset by it <laughs> than what it actually is that's upsetting me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel you. I just, I just feel as if People need to try and take a step back and and just let people enjoy what they enjoy. Like, you can say that in so much things, like homophobic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What does it matter who that guy's sleeping with in his yeah. bedroom or who that woman's seeing after work? It makes no difference to your life whatsoever. So, like... It's a, it's a similar thing. I mean, I'm no saying that what uh, the LGBTQ plus yeah. community deal with is on par with this. Like, well, I'm, no, I'm yeah, not, clearly I'm you're not, not saying that. But I'm just meaning it in a why do people have to take their life and put it in a personal attack on everything when it has nothing to do with them. They're not hurting anybody. They're like I would like I would say if somebody came out, stuck a firework up your cat's arse and lit it, be upset. Yeah. Condemn them. But if they're simply just enjoying themselves and celebrating such a minute thing in the world, like outside the Scotland, this means nothing. 
Yeah, I didn't even know but about it. You're still getting the social media outcry as to why it's a tech thing and that this government have to condemn them and this and that. Like there are there is genuine calls from supporters of the other side to the the government of Scotland to condemn Rangers and strip them of their title due to the fans outbursts. I, <laughs> and I, you're like what the fuck? I I think I think I think what it comes down to is is kind of what we we've, we've talked about since we started this podcast. The a lot of that comes from everybody's personal sense of entitlement of well, you can have I can have my thing, but as long as your thing jives with my thing, I'm okay. Yeah. But the minute your thing doesn't jive with my thing, that's wrong. <laughs> right? So if, if Rangers they they pull off the victory and a bunch of hooligans are out lighting fireworks, not hurting nobody, not causing no damage. Shouldn't matter. But because it happened at nighttime and those fuckers got plans to put an extension on on Saturday morning, it messes up their sleep for their plans because those hooligans are in the street partying over just a stupid game. But yet I'm in my bed on a Saturday morning and you're fucking cutting the lawn. So you're disturbing my peace. Exactly. Like, I had this argument a couple of weeks ago in which I work weekends. Right. I mean, now I take a Sunday off and I take a Tuesday off so that, or the Tuesday morning off so that I can do this. Right. Um, but it was actually right. I used to work weekends because the the normal nine to five Monday to Friday work does not exist anymore, really. No, like, not at all. Like, we work seven days a week, any days that it goes. So I would work the weekends. So my days off used to be a Monday and a Tuesday. Right. So on a Monday night, I would decide, well, I'm going to have a drink because it's my weekend and thing. Mate. And then I would get the, you need to remember, people are working tomorrow. Yep. You need to remember, oh, people are working tomorrow. And it's like, well, I work on a Saturday and I'm kept up till four in the morning with arseholes fucking drinking out the street on a Friday night. Why the fuck are you not going out and telling them um, people work tomorrow? Because it's it the down. weekend. But it's not my weekend. I know, I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, you, like, you cannot tell me to keep it down on a Monday night because people are working a Tuesday and not do the same in the time. At the end of the day, everybody stop drinking. Yeah. You're not allowed to have fun and enjoy yourself because if I'm going to get told that I'm not allowed to do it because my day's off are different for yours, then it's like, like there's just like, it all ties in is people need to just simply grow the fuck up yeah they do and accept that what you do and what you think may not be normal yeah it may not be society's way of doing things right it may not be what we're moving into what you have to do is grow up and shut the fuck up and get on with your life because what someone else does next door to you means fuck all to you Unless it physically impacts you and your life, shut up. I, I, Leave it alone. I, I would say there's one caveat to that. I agree with everything you said except for one thing. If it involves a, a, a dangerous situation where someone is being harmed or whatever, then by all means, do what you can to assist. Oh, no, that... that I, I, I know what you meant, but I, want, I wanted to... Yeah, I wanted yeah. to make sure I clarified that. Yeah, like that. Yeah, if it's if it's going to impose a physical threat on yourself or anybody around you, 
by all means, like, like we're not saying you like allow law breaking or that right. kind of stuff to go, but on the terms of. If someone is just simply enjoying themselves and it's not hurting or impeding anybody else, yep. why the fuck do you care? It's why the, should you care? It's the exact same. It's the exact same discussion we had about privacy and uh, like when we were talking about cancel culture. It, yeah, it, it, it's another. It's another lens of that. That cancel culture is like, well, you're doing something I don't like, so fuck you. Stop what you're doing. So that I can do what I like, but yet if I, if you come and bitch to me about what I like, then you're the bad one. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? I, I totally agree. Like, if you're not hurting anybody, you're not breaking any laws, and nobody's in imminent danger, I don't give a shit what you're doing. Jim Bob down the street could be grilling in his fucking bikini, uh, hammock, like banana hammock and nipple pasties. I don't care. Because it doesn't affect my life. So long as you offer me a burger, all is well. Okay, I'll, I'll take the burger, but if you gotta say I gotta wear a banana hammock, that's where I draw the line. I'll wear boxers, no banana hammock, because ain't no- that could be sweet. It depends how good the burger is. There ain't there ain't nothing that anybody wants to see in a banana hammock. I got I got like a twi- I got a twig and giggle berries. I mean, if I could make if I could make a banana hammock work, maybe, but nah, nah. But it's not what everybody else thinks, it's how you feel wearing that banana hammock. And I feel free. Free! Scotland is free! <laughs> Alright, buddy, that was a great ramble. Let's move on to some game releases. We'll do some culture shock, and then uh, we'll wrap it up with a happy ending. We got about a, uh, say about an hour, so we can blitz through these and have a good discussion. So, game releases. I'm going to let you take the lead, because you did a lot of these. I know yeah, about I them. Been- all of them. You know what? Um, I was at work, fucker. Shows up. <laughs> Shut up. Some is just on Slack. <laughs> hey, right there, okay, right there, big boy. Ah, uh, what do yeah. you got? Oh, well, well, I there's three games that I've been uh, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to. One of which I can't play because I don't. Um, but still, I, I, I thought people need to know about it. All right. Um, the first one, uh, MotoGP nice. season twenty one. I've played everyone for the last few years, and I will be getting this one. Real estate is scheduled for the twenty second of April, and mm-hmm. um, it's literally out on all platforms. Platforms mm-hmm. from PC, Xbox Series, PlayStation, Switch. It's out for it all, and the graphics, which is kind of the, the first and foremost thing that you always. As a as a as a motorcycle enthusiast, right? Um, the, the look of the, the the game is one of the first things that you want, and the game looks fantastic compared to what the last couple of years were, which were still phenomenal kind of things. Um, I've not been able to see much gameplay footage of the game, but from what I've been reading, the game mechanics and the physics are second to none they've completely revamped them like the last uh, game last year like they still had the little bits where like some of the 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 physics and the kind of the the crashes and stuff like that they just made no sense how a a 200 mile per hour bike should not be able to go from gravel a wet and still survive that is not how that works but 
for some weird reason in MotoGP 20 it was but as far as I've been reading and seeing and like uh, kind of like press releases and stuff like mm-hmm. that they seem to have just revamped all of it and they've just got everything down um, the the gameplay is a lot more immersive uh, the game modes seem to kind of expand to a lot more of the uh, the typical MotoGP season right um, the career mode, especially, uh, as far as I've been, or I've I've seen, it just seems to be second to none on what the last few seasons have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more gripping. Uh, I wouldn't say so much the storyline because there's normally not that much storyline, but there's a lot more involved in a more realistic feel of a MotoGP season. Okay. Um, from kind of like your your first practice to your qualifying to the actual races um, to your training and stuff like that. Um, everything about it just seems to be different from most generic sport. Like when you talk about FIFA and you talk about Prevolution Soccer, talk about Madden, you talk about NBA, you talk mm-hmm. about NFL, it's always the same that come out of EA right. every year without changing. No innovation. Like, like it's always, like, they've maybe changed a couple of graphics, they've maybe put in some more game faces, maybe some of the mechanics are slightly better than before, right. but they've never really dealt with the main issues of the game. Mm. MotoGP seems to have done that. They've seemed to have taken, like, They've seemed to have taken the pandemic and made it a positive. They've taken that opportunity to go, let's let's look at this. Right. Let's fix what we need to fix. We've got the time. Let's do it. Okay. And it just seems like I genuinely cannot wait for it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting and a hold of it. MotoGP is that European style like sport bike over the over the handlebar, sort of like hunched over. We would call them crotch rockets. We call them crotch rockets over here, but they're like the the sport bikes where they're kind of hunched yeah. over. Yeah. So, um, I I watched a couple MotoGP races as a kid. I just I never got into it. Like I don't get into I don't get into racing. But like when you posted it, I did have some time to watch some trailers and look into it. And you're right. the The physics engine looks to be overhauled. A lot of the ground up mechanics look to be overhauled. The uh this the like you said the career mode looks to have went through some some major changes and i wish i wish that same level of iteration and innovation would go into like the madden series the fifa series the the nba 2k series because it doesn't seem like it so yeah moto gp looks good i'm not into it i'm not gonna play it but i'm glad you are and it, it looks like it's 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 something that would be worth picking up if that's what you're into for sure what do you got next well, definitely uh, the next one is a, a bit different. It's a game called Urban Flow. It comes out on the 23rd of April for Switch. Yes. Basically, it's one of the games where you can get lost in. In the likes of your Stardew Valley, your Sims, Fuck your game. theme park worlds and stuff like that. Um, basically, what it is, is you are in control of the traffic system. Yes. You're in control of the traffic lights and the way it works and there is there's challenges and stuff like that that you can do but 
I think in the most part is you're the the creator. Yes. You're the one that fixes basically the urban flow. Yeah. As it, it goes. Um uh, I've 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 watched the kind of the, the the trailer for it. I've seen some of the gameplay stuff. I wish I had a switch to be able to get this game. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely suggest anybody that's got a switch even to look into this game because it just seems like one of those ones where if you're in the mood for just that chill little gaming session where you don't want to have to think about too much, you just want to enjoy some fun, it's a game that you could proper get lost in. Yeah, I I watched the trailer, and at first I was like, Urban Flow. I thought it was like a... uh... I thought it was like a like a like a skateboarding or like an inline skating sort of like urban yeah. parkour kind of potential. And then when the trailer dropped, I had this like, huh? And then I watched it and I'm like, oh, it's not for me. But <laughs> I can see what you're doing here. The fact that you were manipulating the traffic lights. Now, well, the one thing that I the trailer didn't make clear to me, and maybe it's just me, is. Are you constructing the city as well, or are you just constructing the roadways and the traffic lighting? See, that is one thing I've not been able to really. I haven't found it either. See, I, I've I've tried to figure out and see if it is a thing. Uh, as far as I've seen, is it's basically it's already created scenarios. That oh, okay. You then have to kind of fix okay. and and deal with kind of thing. I'd like to hope that either in the game or eventually that'll be the way they'll go forward because I do think it would be like the likes of like City Skylines. Yeah, Sin like City. That, yeah. Um where you had not a lot of it like you could get mods that would put you more in control, but this seems to be kind of straight in a lot more. Right. Um, more traffic. Of, yeah. It's more the kind of traffic situations it, as yeah, opposed to the city builder. It seemed more dialed into like the, the urban flow and, and the traffic efficiency than the actual city yeah. building. So, it, I mean, it, it's definitely not for me, but I like the low poly art style. And I like how they give you the power to like kind of create the, or solve the, the traffic scenarios because that's one thing we take for granted. In the modern world, like how how often do you think about civic planning? I mean, when I'm stuck in traffic, I think about it for a good while. <laughs> that's about the only, that's, that, that's my point. That's the only time you think about why the fuck is this stoplight here? <laughs> so yeah, I think I think a game like that 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 approaches an angle like that where where it it's not something you see. I think it has a chance to be almost a cult a cult hit. Because it does have that mm-hmm. get in flow mentality, solve a problem, be efficient, and just relax. And I, I mean, it's not my bag, but I could definitely, I could definitely see the benefit of somebody who enjoys that game. So yeah. yeah. All right, what do you got? Uh, Humankind is the last one you got, huh? Yeah, this is one that I'm really excited for. Okay, like it's only coming out for PC at the moment, right? I, which I think. It needs to be because if you've ever played The Sims on PlayStation, oh my god, it's awful! It is just shocking. But um, humankind is basically sort of it's 
it's not so much a city builder, it's more a civilization builder. Mm-hmm. Even though you do have the kind of you have to create your cities and stuff like that. But there's a couple of wee bits here that kind of explain it. So, uh, you create your own civilization by combining 60 historical cultures from the ancient to the modern age. Each culture brings its special gameplay layer, leading to near endless outcomes. So basically, the way it gets set up is you create a civilization, but you can discover the different historical events that have happened from building pyramids to getting to the moon um the the wars and that so it's like like in the trailer there's that bit where it's like the chinese dynasty fighting alongside the british army yes Yes, i saw that the modern world Mm -hmm. so it's like you're you're building a, a civilization that you're combining different ages which not only for I, I would i say it as a kind of gaming standpoint but as an educational standpoint i think mm-hmm. is another way because you you will learn so much about it like the, yeah. the different historical moments and stuff like that and um, like face historical events take impactful moral decisions and make scientific breakthroughs discover the na- natural wonders of the world or build the remarkable creations of humankind so like there's everything about it just seems to scream this is going to be the game of the year this is going to be the game that you're going to want to play it's right. your newfound sims it's your newfound city skylines it's your theme park world it's your civilization four five six yeah like it's everything combined into one and the fact that it's a pc game mm-hmm. just means the, the 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 setup the graphics and that are just going to be like looking at the artwork and stuff like that, it's like, it does have that sort of. It's hard to tell what the graphics are going to be like, but I'm super excited that no matter what way, because in like some of the images, it's like a kind of comic book esque mm-hmm. kind of artwork, and then in other parts of the trailer, it's a lot more realistic graphic, and it's like both I am completely down for. Like both work for me and this situation. Yeah, you uh, you posted the link, and when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, it's Civilization." Like, how is it different from Civ? Was my first thought. And then I I sort of watched it a little bit, and I read a little bit of the article, and to me, it doesn't seem as what's what's the what's the term I'm looking for. It doesn't seem as micromanaging on a um, city or empire builder level, where mm-hmm. it seems to be more focused on the, the personal aspect. You are creating the civilization. You are leading your people. Yeah. The, the the empire building and, and the city management, that's sort of like not as center stage as you being the leader of the humankind, your humankind telling your story of humanity. And I think mm-hmm. I think in some ways that will be a more interesting game for people like me who can't stand Civ. I can't stand it. Yeah. I love Civ as a concept. 
I love the technology behind the games. I love the detail. You ain't, you couldn't, somebody could buy a Briggs truck and be like, Docs, you're going to play Civ 7. And I'll be like, nope. They're going to give you $100,000. Nope. Sorry, can't Maybe. help you because I just, <laughs> I, I don't have, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the level of minutia, the level of, okay, send that guy there, the city management. I don't have the level of city management skill to make, even though I own the Civ games because my friend sent them to me and they're like, you got to play Civ. And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, I sent it to you. Fuck. I don't have that level of detail. Like it, it, I don't like that much on my plate because I already got so much on my plate. Where humankind focuses more on like the leader being leading the people and, and kind of conquering yeah. or or diploma, diplomacy, it's it's more of the people aspect and not the empire aspect. And I think I I want to play that for me more than the empire building, which yeah, I don't know, man. It looked cool. Like you said, the art style was great and the different storylines and combining different civilizations is a unique angle, but. I think I think it's gonna struggle to break out of oh it's just Civ light, so it's really got to hit that story building or that or that you are the civilization creator. They're gonna have to dial it in. They're gonna have to hit it hard because a lot of people are just gonna make that surface comparison. They're like, well, just play Civ if that's what you want. And I I don't think it is Civ, and I think it, I hope it gets out of that. But I think that's gonna be its main sort of like yeah. Gamers are gonna are gamers and pundits and and people who are viewed are gonna be like, yeah, but it's it's Civ Light and 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 I think that's a, a micro way of looking at it because that's initially what I thought until yeah. I read more into it and I hope it I hope it can live up to it because it looks really interesting intellectually yeah. I don't know mechanically if it's my jam but it looked really good yeah I, I hope so myself that it just it lives up to the kind of expectation like I hate looking forward to games i hate like that because i hate having that expectation build because it's never what you expect i'd rather just it drop and me go well i'm gonna go pick it up but this one's just one of those games that i have been keeping an eye on for a while yeah it's like i said it, it looked interesting to me more so than a sim game because you are focused on the people more and the events yeah. that the people have more so than the empire itself because civilization removes the people aspect people are resources in civ and only every once in a while do you see your leader and it's oh i want to broker a trade or we got to declare war this tends to put the focus back on the people and that's what intrigues me about humankind yeah and i I think it'll be cool but um yeah man good group of games next week i'll um um, now that I won't have so much crazy shit on my plate, I'll be able to pick out some titles, but yeah, let's move on we we didn't get to do Culture Shock the last two weeks, because one, tech issues, and then uh, Tim had to sit in, so uh, hit us up with some more Culture Shock let's have a debate, let's go, what do you got? Yeah, right, well, the first kind of one that I've kind of, like, I'll I'll have to kind of run, these will be kind of quick because this was like two weeks ago where I came with these ones, and I've kind of I, there was articles that I'd read to get these things, and the articles have kind of... Bye. Off in the ether, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
But the first one I want to think about is the whole telling time, which sounds like why would that be an amazing difference? But but it is the art. The article that I'd read kind of put it at a... Like, I thought time was weird when I went to Holland. And again, you think, how can time be different? Mm. It's not how time is different, it's how we describe time. Like, if I turned around and said it was half eight, that's how, like, we would say it's half eight, which is 8.30. Right, that's what I thought. Right, but we would just say it's half eight, or it's quarter past eight. But it's twenty past eight. No, no, no. Quarter past eight is is eight fifteen. Yeah, quarter past eight. Okay, 8:15. okay. I wanted to make sure I was right. Is, yeah, so it's like quarter past eight, half past eight, and then it's quarter to nine. Okay, which is eight forty-five. Yeah, I don't say but, those. I'm like, it's eight thirty. It's eight fifteen. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 what I've kind of thought. And the funniest thing about it is, see if you actually go a a. Like in Holland, and I can't, re- I'm, I'm not able to properly explain it because I still was unable to wrap my head around it. But <laughs> see, in Holland, especially, and there's other countries that say, if I said to you it's half eight, in Holland, that means half seven. What? Yeah, no, ex- exactly. Like, you can look this up. <laughs> like, it is an actual thing. Like, yeah. anybody listening, look up. The kind of the differences between the UK and Dutch timing, and <laughs> that because I used to always time it so like I would like uh, my friend's mum would be like, "Oh, what time such and such coming?" And I'd be like, "At half eight, all right, no problem." And then an hour early, they'd be like, "At right, so where are they?" It's like, "No, it's still another hour before they come." So, I'll, but you said it was half, and like that's where I'd first got the kind of thing with it. They'd said it in a different way, right? Like, I don't know why. <laughs> You're right. Thing, eh? But that was kind of the first one that I'd thought of was just such a, like, I just thought they'd really because it's the same with like a fortnight, when we say it's a fortnight. That's, That's two weeks two from weeks. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. And it's just, but it was just the whole half eight. And you're like, like, because I can remember when my American friend came across, uh, again, we were like, ah, oh, I were going at half eight, and it was a, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, like, luckily I've been able to, like, with dealing with people for different cultures and stuff like that, and, like, I, I've, I, I can understand a lot more where, like, I've got to a point where, like, even in text messages and stuff like that, it's like... I, I use it as a 24 hour clock, so if it's 11, 8, because that was the other thing, is that for us, if I'm saying it's half 8, right, so it'll be like 8.30, mm-hmm. if I'm talking about, if I'm texting that it's in the evening, it'd be 20.30. Yep. Whereas what this article was saying is in America, it's more the AM, PM yes. thing. So it's like you would say it's 8.30pm, whereas we would say it's 20.30 and that's it. I mean, normally we would say half eight at night. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or in the evening. Um, oh. But it's just such an interesting thing that something as simple as telling the time is completely different across the board. Yeah, we, we have similar stuff here. Like um, when 
like a lot of times I'll be like, all right, well, I'll I'll see you in a little bit. Well, what do you like? A little bit to you is what? Like if I said I'm gonna be there in a little bit, what's a little bit? Yeah, but between ten minutes and half an hour. Nah, not here. A little bit, <laughs> half hour to hour and a half. That's a little bit. Um, so like, if if someone calls me and be like, yeah, I'll be a little bit, and I'll be like, all right, I got about an hour. We're over there, and you're like, oh, it's ten minutes. I show up an hour later, and you're like, you said a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm right on time. It is a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, we, I, we would say. Etting over an hour, you'd say is a bit. It's no a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Or uh, <laughs> another one. Another one we got is um, especially down south. Um, when I was down south, a friend of mine was like, so I would be like, oh, where are we going? He's like, we're gonna go over there. I'm like, when are we going? He goes, eh, whatever. What is whatever? Like whatever. When, when, when it like, like now, like like after dinner, when's whatever? He's like, whatever's whatever. Bro, that one's lost. That one's I don't understand that one. Right, and 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 that's what I mean is like down there, because the the they move slower, the culture's slower. It's not well. We'll get to it when we get to it. Essentially, where up here it's like eight fifteen, eight thirty, nine thirty, ten o'clock. Down there, down there, whenever is like eh, well, whenever. So even even within my own country, there's there's differences in time because on the west coast it'll be like. You could be like, I'll be right there, and like they're right there. Where yeah. if where I'm at, I'll be right there means ten, fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just it's just mind blowing just how something so simple can be but it's it's the same with the next one that I put on it that it's just it's such a simple term. Mm-hmm. Like, cause again, it was an article I'd read that kind of thing we do but it's the whole please situation right now the article that i'd read on it kind of stated that in a restaurant in america right you would say like to the waitress or or the server you'd be like uh, um give me the the pancakes and eggs or i'll have the pancakes and eggs Ooh, well i want pancakes UK, and eggs now Hmm? I want pancakes and eggs now. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, it would be, can I have the pancakes and eggs, please? And this article seemed to pro- proclaim that um, in the situations like that, in like restaurants and stuff like that, please isn't used because at the end of the day, that's their job. Why are you th- why are you thanking them for doing their job? Okay, just, that's what they do. Whereas here, that was why like your whole like common sense and uh, courtesy and manners and that, that was a bit of a lost one because here like manners are still so compared to what I've seen in that article about America and that's it's like we would never like yeah like uh, customer services and that there is some people in the uk that are just assholes when it comes to customer servers and, and stuff like that but it's like for us it is a case of you're supplying a good service for us like you don't have to give us right. food so it is a bit of a more of a like oh can i please have the such and such or thanks very much and stuff whereas again I don't know if that is how it actually is. Like, I don't know how often you go into a restaurant 
ask what you can, you tell them what you want with a please or okay I, I know what you're getting at um me personally and my my family my kids when we go out to a restaurant it is very much i would like to have or can i please have because the, the server will come over and go okay are you guys ready to order we'll be like yeah and then she'll go okay what would you like and she'll point to like one of my kids my kid will instantly say can i have the lasagna please or my other kid will be like i would like the cheeseburger please and thank you and when they get to me it's like may i you know i would like the steak medium rare thank you i would appreciate that thank you where i have seen other other diners just be like yeah i'm gonna have the steak yeah and i think i think when the article was talking about it's their job. So why are you being polite to them? Why would you say thank them? Cause that's their job. I think that harkens back to, um, the way customer service has changed and the perception of people who do customer service, because a lot of times in America, which is like consumer driven to the nth degree, we often forget that, the people who are doing the customer service, the people that are cooking our food, the people that are bringing our food, are still people. Yeah. And I think because we're so so quick and so convenient-driven, so consumer-driven, it's like, yeah, that that's actually Jennifer, the server, who has to go home to her two kids, and she'll be lucky if she made $50 in tips tonight because she got paid $2.50. Like, yeah. All too often, especially here in America, like I've seen in the Midwest, in the Midwest and down south, I see, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but in the Midwest and, and down south, the the please and thank you is definitely more prevalent. But like definitely like I've been to the West Coast and a lot of times it's like, yeah, I'll just take avocado toast and a mimosa. And then I'll be like, whatever. So I think I think it's a regional thing. And I think it comes down to the fact that uh, customer service and the perception of who the people who do the customer service are have changed dramatically over the years. Because back in the day, you could be a cook in a diner and make a living to provide for your home. And when you went into the diner, you knew that Steve was manning the grill and that Barbara was working the counter. Max was the boss boy. And Heather was the server. Like, you knew them. You go out now and you're like, who the fuck are you? Who's making my food? They're a name tag. They're not people. Back in the day, they didn't wear name tags. You knew that they they said, hey, I'm Heather. I'm your your waitress, honey. What would you like? They knew your name. They knew what you like because you went there. Now, because every Tom, Dick, and Harry has a, a restaurant or it's a chain, we're just like, yeah, I'll take the onion rings and the cheeseburger. Yeah, because they're servers. They're not people. They're cooks. They're not people. And I think, I think that's, I think that's what that article might have been trying to get at, is the loss of the people connection in, like, customer yeah. service. Yeah, because I think that, like, that is the thing, like, because that was another kind of culture thing that you you did bring up was when you had said, uh, like. 
it's it's time it's that you kind of give like common courtesy to, to wait uh, the service and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. because they might not have made fifty dollars in tips because they only got through so that and like that's another kind of difference here is that we don't have tips as much as we offer tips as a voluntary thing right. because we pay our servers right <laughs> like, yeah our servers get a minimum wage <laughs> we like, don't. Like our, our our servers work ten hours, they get ten hours worth of pay. Any extra tips that we give at the end of our meal is extra. Right. So like our servers don't rely on tips to <laughs> pay their bills because it's like because we consider them employees. <laughs> like that's that's because that was the thing. Whenever you hear about they're fighting for $15. And I was like, ah, but what is the whole $15 thing, you know? And then that's what it says. Like, they're wanting that they me that the staff will get paid $15 an hour. And you're like that. Yeah, yeah, but that's because they're still, like, take away the tips, force the restaurants to pay their staff for what they're doing. Like, it, like you can't turn around and say, oh, it wouldn't work. Like, Every other country in the world <laughs> pays their staff. Like, yes. it doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers or you're building a rocket, you pay your staff. <laughs> well, isn't it? I saw an article. I saw an article that said, I think it was either Denmark and Sweden. They were comparing McDonald's, right? Everybody's going to McDonald's. In, I think it was either Denmark or Sweden. I, again, the article in the ether. They get $22 an hour. Six weeks of vacation, benefits, 401k matching. Over here, you work 40 hours, 50 hours at the Mickey D's for $7.25 and you don't get shit. That's the working even at the McDonald's. Here, even here, um, we have the minimum wage, and I'll look it up right now. Um, I'm going to mute so that my mouse or my... That's fine, because I, I, I got another point. When you were talking about servers... Over here, in restaurants, servers make $2.75 an hour, plus tips. How the f... $2.75 an hour plus tips? What the fuck is that nonsense? Right, um, I'm just going to have a little look. Yeah, do your thing. Right, um, current rates for national living wage. So this is the wage that employees must pay their staff. Uh, ours is on a age basis, technically, as okay. it's timed. So apprentices, they get £4.15 an hour. Okay. Now, apprentices are normally 15, 16-year-olds that right. are still going to school or only working maybe four hours at the weekend. Right. Right? That's what the apprenticeship is. Under 18s, you get four fifty-five an hour. 18 to 20, you get 6.45 an hour. Okay. And then 21 to 24, you get 8.20. 25 and over gets, pardon me, 8.72 an hour. Now, eight, so I don't know what the conversion rate is. Um, uh, you guys are about a dollar and a half. So it would be like 12 bucks an hour. So our McDonald's... With a, now, I've just read there that the rates go up as of the 1st of April 2021, which is the new tax year. Um, our things go up to 4.30 apprentice 
462 under 18, 656, 18 to 20, and then they're lowering it 21 to 24 to 21 to 22, which is 836, then it's 891 for 23s and over. Oh, okay. Which is, like, compared to what you're saying about, like, them fighting for $15 an hour, you're like, I mean, that's still over minimum wage, but it's still the case of they're still working 40 hours and making 20 hours worth of work. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the whole fight for 15 comes from the argument of what is a living wage. Oh, definitely. That debate debate over here is super toxic because what defines a living wage? A living wage is... Okay, don't put your pitchforks, torches away, people, if you're listening to this. A living wage should be you can work a 40-hour-a-week job, provide rent or mortgage, food, insurance, health care, transportation. Those six things. That's what should cover a living wage. That, a living wage should not include your Hulu, your Netflix, your Disney+. Plus. It should not include your fucking iPhone X. It should not include your fucking, your vices. None of that. Okay? Those are called luxuries for a reason. Now, the other caveat I would put in there in the living wage, internet should be a utility. It should not be treated as a consumer good anymore. Because in the world we live in now, you have to have access to the internet. I don't care where you are. Reliable, high-speed internet should be judged as a utility and regulated as such so that there's fair competition and advancements constantly made. So, living wage should cover your necessities, not your luxuries. But the yeah. debate comes in, well, oh, I can't afford my iPhone and, and my Disney Plus, and I, I, can't, I can't afford my Gucci or, or my $189 Nikes. Work, work, work a better-paying job. Yeah. A living wage job should provide you the necessities. Food, housing, stability, medical care. You know, the necessities. That's a living wage. Mm-hmm. Anything above a necessity, you either need to find A, a better job, or B, find a way to supplement your income. In my opinion. Yeah. I could be wrong. Don't, I mean, don't at me. If you want to, we'll fight about it. Let's go. I'm down. But you know what I mean? Well, no, definitely, like, it's, like, here there is a big argument that the cost of living has went up and the minimum wage hasn't, like, that's the argument that's going on here, So, but you can see it in things, like, see if, like, when I worked with Iceland, which is a frozen food store here, um, I would get paid, uh, your base rate was £7.42 an hour. Because I was a delivery driver, we got what was known as danger pay. Right. Which is because we were out in the public and out doing things. We got an extra pound an hour put oh, on man. our wage. So I would make 8.42. If I'd done the exact same job in London, their pay for their drivers was 10.25 okay. an hour. Because the cost of living in London is so much higher than the rest of the UK. Yeah, no Yes, shit. there's areas in Glasgow, there's areas in London. Edinburgh, there's Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle, 
so on, so on, that you have different standards of living and stuff like that. But as a base rate, the cost of living, like, we had the conversation about how I can go and get a three-bedroom house, front and back garden, driveway, up and downstairs, semi-detached house that pays £600 a month to order to get it. Nope. Yet, that same house in London, you're talking 2500 a month minimum. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. So, but, like, that's where it's in me. Um, so it's like... It's just such a... Like... It's a, it's a weird thing to me because, like, for us here, it's been such a normal thing of you get a minimum wage. Right. But when you read about the things in America or any other country that have this the problem, and you're like, but this would all be solved if... the Like, it's not even a government thing. This would all be solved if the companies just paid their staff for the hours that they've done. Like, if, if you as a company cannot afford... To give your staff a living wage, you should not own a business because you are putting other people's lives in your hands just so you can have a business. It's no up to people. Like, it shouldn't be a case of you need to work to live. It yep. should be a case of you live to work. In that sense... Like, you shouldn't have to go out and work 50 hours a week just right. in order to scrape by. It should be one of those ones that you should be able to work extra hours if you want to. Yeah. Because your boss gives you such a wage that... Like, I'm not saying that your boss should give you fucking $400 an hour and you only have to work two days or two hours a week. Unless you're working. Kind of it. thing. I mean, unless you're worth it, but it's that kind of way, like, you should be able to be in a situation where you're paid enough and a normal, like, I think the normal hour edge is between 35 and 45, anywhere in right. that scale yeah. is a decent week's weight work. So you should be able to work any of that and be able to afford your, your typical kind of, like, I mean, again, here, our healthcare and that is put through our tax, so we don't actually have to pay that, which again kind of stems a wee bit more worse on the fact that not only are we technically receiving a higher minimum wage, but the minimum wage that we are getting, we also don't have to pay for these things nope. that you have to pay for. Yeah. So it's like you're getting less, but have to pay more. Yep. Whereas we're getting more and technically don't have to pay as much. Um, you pay for it on so, the back end in your taxes, though. Yeah, but even at that, the taxes are like 18%. Yeah. It's... It depends on how much you, you make. Right. Like, there's, like, there's different bands and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, um, like I brought in, like, for, for me doing this job, see, as a self-employment, um, you get £12,500 a year on tax. That mm -hmm. means that I need to make 12500 a year before I can be taxed by the government. I think ours is six. 
Yeah, that see, that's a thing. But it's like I still have to pay my national insurance because that's separate from right. income tax. So, but it's like um, I would bring in like saying a, a typical week, I'd be bringing in like six hundred pound a week. Uh huh. My national my national insurance would maybe come out at twenty four pound. Yeah, that's not bad at all. That means that I've still got six five hundred and fifty quid. Mm-hmm. That's mine because I've not reached that tax point yet. Right. It would be like six months would have to pass before I would then have to start paying tax. Right. And even at that, if that's £600, I'd be paying round about £100 in tax. So you're still walking away with 500 Yeah, so no, it's 100%. just It's just such a... such a weird concept yeah it's yeah it's it's really ass backwards because you how how can i put this where i don't come off as just an insensitive prick profit is good greed is bad and if you if you chase greed you're an asshole Mm. if you make healthy profit I got no beef with you. So, like, in America, CEOs make 3,000% more than guys like me. What the fuck do you need 3,000% more than me for? You sit in a fancy office brokering deals. I'm in negative 25 fucking degree weather making sure your people get to you. How do you deserve 3,000% more than I do? Because you started the company? Because your daddy gave you the money? Because you actually know how to invest money where I don't? Like, it makes no sense. And the fact that to, to tie it back to the one where to say please when you get a meal is just, it's a courtesy. My kids do it all the time. I do it all the time. I tip 25%. I think the lowest I ever tip is 15% on a bill. Mm. If I can tip 25%, and they've earned it, I do. But my minimum tip is like 15, and that's if if they're a shit waitress, I'm still giving them, or server, I'm still giving them 15% on the bill, because I know they're making $2.50, even though my service is garbage. I don't want them to starve. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's, It's one of those things that smarter people than I need to figure their shit out so that it can get fixed. Yeah, well, I think that seems like a, a decent amount of proper culture shock. That, it does. Um, with Amid, so what do you think? Let's I start think. getting into the happy endings. And oh, yeah. We a little definitely... bit more positivity. I mean, we've been generally positive. I just I think the debate behind things is intriguing because they're often things we that people don't talk about and like we said when we do this podcast one of the reasons we like doing this podcast is we have similar but divergent opinions and different perspectives so i agree happy ending you want to go first you haven't done one in a while yeah um well i it was 10 minutes before we started recording this where i went i've not got a happy ending i better go and find one <laughs> um, and then I found a very nice massage parlor. The woman was really, really nice and helpful. Um, and 
I managed to find one that was actually quite. I actually did with my line of work. This is the one that kind of it touched me. It's it's from Wales, um, and basically, um, the the story was how being a delivery man helps my autistic son. Nice. And it's a an interesting kind of uh, thing, but basically what had happened is um, there's a, a a chap from Vale of Glamorgan village in St Athan called Cal Carr, and he has a autism. It doesn't go into state just how far on the spectrum he is, but uh, his mother said. Uh, that it had a lot of meltdowns which had worsened in the lockdown and stuff like that. And she had kind of called for his, for our uh, neighbours to see if they could help out in any way and just get some support and stuff like that. So basically what happened is one of their neighbours had overheard uh, Cal talking about how he would, he's always wanted to have a uniform like his siblings, but with his level of autism, no one really, like, the, the the world we live in, if you've got a disability, a lot of companies don't want to die me, which is, it's, it's heartbreaking because I know a lot of people with disabilities, not necessarily autism, but just disabilities across the board that have so much more work ethic than some of the people that I've worked alongside. And I would have them work alongside me any day of the week. Um, right. But basically, the neighbour had a hoodie printed with Cal's delivery service. <laughs> and what they would do is, basically, it would deliver groceries and shopping that the neighbours had bought for, like, his neighbour would buy in, like, different groceries and stuff like that to be sent to different houses for like the elderly and that that couldn't get out of our shielding and stuff mm-hmm. and basically he was his delivery service that would go door to door delivering the messages that and it was just a way of getting him out the house he as I said he got his uniform um he was just made to feel part of the community yeah and just like listen or reading some of the kind of like um how uh, his his mum had said that uh, life at home had become difficult. He wasn't coping with lockdown. He'd got very depressed. Didn't want to do anything. And then that's when they'd kind of came up with the cows collection delivery and all that stuff just to get him out. Like yeah. let him see a difference from the four walls that he was seeing. Um, and it's just it's another story of a community coming together. Where there's someone in need, there's not necessarily just one person, but the family. Because I've I've got friends that have children with autism right across the spectrum, and I know how difficult it can be trying to not necessarily just understand, but trying to kind of live as much of a normal life as possible. Trying to give their children as much of a normal life as possible when these outbursts that really isn't anything on the child because like it's it's just it's it's how they're programmed in that. Right. It's how their brain functions. So it's like it's it's such a nice moment to see other people 
coming together because you often hear about the like the, like I said, so that the people with disabilities are often like shunned to the side, like mm-hmm. creatures of the night. Why would yeah. anybody want to find me? And I'm seeing a lot of more stories like this where it's communities kind of coming together and going, no, let's take a stand. Let's let's involve them in society. Let's give them something to, to kind of help them. And like they, they said, so that, yeah, his mum's said over and over again, like, uh, thank you for supporting. Um, she even, like... Uh, Thank you for supporting us through isolation. You've been invaluable. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, this is through his Facebook page where his customers um, have been posting up reviews and stuff like that. And you're like that. It's just such a heartwarming story that the power of like community. this topic's been community and kindness yeah. can change such a minute portion of someone's life for such a good way and it's like you're gaining nothing from this but he's gaining a complete new world a new life um, that he probably never would have got any other way yeah i i read the article and it, it hits for me on a couple levels it hits for me because my middle son is autistic and uh some of the kids in the house have other spectrum stuff but he's like the most classically autistic like Mm. he's high functioning but he has like social cue issues and inappropriate vocalizations and stuff and when i read it and i and i and i talked about how he was having outbursts and the people didn't know what to do about it and he was struggling with lockdown a lot of that comes down to one, the way his brain works is completely different than our brain. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a person with autism runs basically on a different operating system. Like, you and I run on Windows, they run on, you know, Safari. Yeah. So, what we understand and process is processed and understood differently. So, a lot of times with autism specifically, something normal. Or something innocuous to you and me triggers their oversensitivities and causes them to have a freak out. Yeah. It's, it's it's nothing they can stop. It's nothing they can do. They can learn to cope with it and deal with it better. It's like an anxiety attack. But yeah, to to have people shun them or say, "Oh, they're a bad kid because of that," that's not the case. And when she was saying that, "Oh, he just wanted to be like his siblings." That's the thing that hits the most is people with disabilities want to be normal. Yeah. They want to be viewed and treated normally. They don't want to have most of them. Some of them are shady fucks that want to take advantage of it, but we won't get into that. Most people with any type of disability just want to be treated the same as you or I. They want to be given the same chances. They want to be roasted the same way by their friends. They want to, they want to, have the same opportunity to act and accord themselves in public the same as you and I. The problem with that is, is they have outbursts or they have a physical deformity like I do. 
So they're viewed as the other. And what that means is, is, well, that's not me. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for people to look at that and go, we don't want that. That we don't want that other type here. And so for Cal, I believe the name is Cal. The kid, yeah. the kid's name is Cal. When he was given a shirt that matched the color of his siblings' uniforms and had his name on it, it gave him a sense of agency, a sense of power, a sense of normalcy, so that he was included, he was treated normally, he was given a purpose. Because a lot of times people with disabilities aren't given, the, they're not allowed to have a purpose. It's, you're disabled, yeah. go chill. Just go, you're, you're disabled, don't worry about it, go. Yeah. It's not what they want. And with people with autism, a lot of times, depending on if it's severe, they can't function like Cal can or my middle son can. If it's high functioning where they can function like Cal can and my middle son can, they're still lumped in with autistic people being like, oh, he's autistic. He can't do anything. For the community to come to an understanding of what Cal needed to be able to cope and feel accepted and be given a purpose is an amazing thing because it harkens back to what we talked about. It's that courtesy. It's that kindness because all too often it is go, 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 me, 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 dog, eat dog. Yeah. And people who are less fortunate or less able or have a disenfranchised set of circumstances aren't given the tools to adapt to the go, 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 dog, eat dog. Yeah. And we don't, we also don't slow down enough on our end to understand that, yes, they are intelligent. Yes, they are capable, but they're intelligent and capable in a different way. And so for the community to recognize that and do something like that, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. I would love for my middle son, who's hyper intelligent, he can build anything. He like build stuff like you get him Legos and it's like done. You get him like a, a robot. He's like, I already programmed it. It's like, you got it an hour ago. He's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I can't I can't build a fucking robot and I can't even build like a stick figure with Legos. And he's like, I built the Great Wall of China and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna oh so yeah, seeing that, seeing that and having a community understand, I think is is the major point of that one. Yeah. Because they understood what he needed and they accepted that he was quote unquote different. And they were able to work with it and provide for him so that he felt, you know, included, I guess, for lack of a better yeah. term. And I think that's the, and that's the point you kind of touched on is um, it's the inclusion is the main kind of outcome that they want is right. just the, just include them like you will never understand just how much that simple task will help someone and lift someone yeah not just just someone with a disability but just but it was it was just i really enjoyed that story and just like even though it was 10 minutes before we started recording that i i'd came across it it was still just like you've seen it yourself. As soon yeah. as I read it, I was like, "This is the one." Yeah, it's it's great. It, it's great to find a story like that because often, 
often those things happen and they're not seen. Like growing up as a kid, I I helped start the the handicap little league here in my city. I was part of the inaugural season. I brought kids to the like my mom heard about it from a library program and she's like, My son's not technically handicapped, but he's got deformities and stuff and they won't let him on the team. But he knows how to deal with people with disabilities and, and he knows how to include them. So having somebody like my son would be helpful. And sure enough, man, we had the first meetings and kids were showing up in crutches and wheelchairs. And they asked me to say something because a lot of the kids were looking at me like, what are you doing here? You can walk. You don't look disabled. And when I got up and said something, I said, hey, I got a heart condition and my feet are deformed and whatnot, but that's not going to stop me from playing baseball and anybody that I play against better, you know, better be able to bring it because you're not your wheelchair and you're not a set of crutches. We're teammates or we're opponents and I'm going to go 110% no matter what. Mm. Turns out later they were like, don't go 110% sometimes. You're going too hard. Because I'm hyper-competitive. Like, I want to win. Well, the Little League was like, we don't keep score. You know, it's just for fun. And in my head, was like, oh, we win in this. So, oh, but... I can't stand that. That's all. Oh, it's, it's the thing. No. Like, you, you're there to win. If you're not there to win, what is the point? What are you teaching anybody? Well, like... Everybody will just hand you <laughs> shit. No, well, the no. goal the goal of the Handicap Little League was to bring sport to kids who didn't have sport. Oh, yeah, I can understand right. that. I, I know where you're going, that. but I wanted to clarify for <laughs> listeners who couldn't see yeah. your reaction as you were working through it. But a lot of times, small stories like the Cal's Delivery Service, they don't get out because yeah. it's, it's, it's not worth the news organizations to go, oh, some autistic kid delivers groceries, you yeah. know? So yeah, I, I love it. That also kind of thing is that you're happy ending, and that I had zero idea that this even was like when it says like after ten years yep. of fighting for the case, I was like, I've never even heard the original. Okay, so what what Chris is talking about is recently a federal judge ordered penalties against ExxonMobil for thousands of clean air violations. Now, over here in America, we have the Clean Air Act, which dictates you can't disperse or or have certain levels of particulate matter or certain levels of waste or, or things like that violating the clean air so that everybody's entitled to have clean air. Well, Exxon has been fighting this case for like 10 years to say, well, we... No, we didn't really make those clean air violations like you say we did. They're just exaggerating, blah, blah, blah. Well, finally, a federal judge went, I don't know. You you literally made a violation every day for eight years. Like, what? How how can you in good conscience argue this? And Exxon was like, well, you, you see what had happened was they, they had a town there. And the judge went, yeah, the town was there first. You have a responsibility to not dump your yeah. shit in their backyard. And what makes this a, a, a great story is he didn't sit there and say, oh, you're bad. He said, no, no, dog. 14 million. Drop it. Yeah. Pay it up. Pay your violations. 
clean your shit up, or I'm going to keep firing your ass until you do. Now, normally, a corporation is going to be like, well, you know, Jess, can we make something out? And Jess was like, no, no, 14 mil. 14 mil. Don't talk to me. And then the bean counters went, shit, that actually hurt. Yeah. And this is not only not only great because it's one of the one of the mounting decisions where federal judges have said, no, 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 you, you guys need to clean your shit up. This is now starting to set precedent yeah. that corporations can no longer just willy-nilly dump their shit in everybody's backyard or spew their goddamn shit in the air and not have consequence because this is about consequence now. You violate these laws. We're not going to go, oh, Exxon, you did naughty. Your stock prices aren't, aren't going to be affected. Now, your stock yeah. price is not going to be affected because you fucked up. And well, the lawyer- but it, That was the little bit that I'd seen there. It's like, uh, it's like this case follows successful cases. Yep. The same groups brought against Shell Oil Company for violations of its uh, Deer Park refinery, Chevron Phillips for violations at its Cedar Bayou plant, and Pasadena Refining Systems Incorporated for violations at the Pasadena refinery. So you can see that it was a kind of a building up. That mm-hmm. These previous companies were obviously had a little bit more leniency on, and then they've kind of went, do you know what? No, this is like, this is the fourth fucking one. No, Phil, there you go. The biggest fine that we can give you is yep. what you're getting. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, because I think, I think in a way it sets precedence to corporations that go, you can't shit on the little guy anymore. Yeah. Because all too often, like we're well, like we said for years, like you you're not going to get paid a living wage, and we're going to do whatever the fuck we want because <laughs> we can. And this judge yeah. finally went, "Hang on, let me let me make sure the robe's right." <laughs> all right, what what was your argument? Oh, yeah, okay, your yeah, okay, your corporation, you make eight billion dollars a year. Okay, federal violations, dope. Okay, fourteen mil, pay the fine, move the fuck on, clean your shit up, or we're going to do it again. Like a federal judge finally had the fucking cojones. To look yeah. at these big businesses and say, no, dog, you can't you can't shit on the little guy. Pay your fines, clean your shit up, or we're going to fine you some more. Yeah. And we all know, who really runs the corporations in this world? It ain't the CEOs. It ain't the workers. It's the fucking bean counters and the shareholders. And when they get handed a bill for $14.8 million in damages, somebody with, with glasses on their nose is going to go, well, you know, sir, that's going to affect our quarterly earnings rate by 8.5%, and that's going to cause our stock to dip by 15%, which is going to cause our further financial losses, so we can't afford another fine like this, so let's do something about it. Now, my hope is, is they do something about it in the right way, yeah, and clean up their stuff, and find clean air technologies, instead of going, well, let's just go move our factory to somewhere in the middle of bumfuck China and pollute all we can. Yeah. That's that's the worry. But the fact that a federal judge and several other federal judges are actually doing their job and standing up to enforce the law to a corp yes. to several big money corporations really makes me applaud and hope that this becomes the trend and not the outlier. Definitely. Like, I definitely hope this is the kind of turning point for 
these basic lawbreakers that have been getting away with it for so long. Like Criminal bitches. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it is a turning point, and I think I think more judges need to stand up and enforce the law. That's their job. You're the yeah. judge. You you adjudicate. If the law's been broken, your job is to find a motherfucker and send somebody to collect it. Like, 14A point mill? Go get it. Send a bunch of dudes, send a bunch of burly looking dudes in a bean counter who's got a calculator and a set of glasses and goes, I'm going to count all $14.8 million and I'm going to count it again and I'm going to leave a note that says, I took $14.8 million, don't fuck up again. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know, man. But definitely. on that note, I think we'll bring it to a close. Hey, Chris, man, it's good to have you back in the seat. I missed you. I missed last week. I hope you're doing well. Great conversation yeah, as always. You. you made great points as always. So we'll do this again next. We'll run it back next week. Definitely, I'll be here, ready and waiting. A little bit more preparation than this week, but I'll be here. Hey, we didn't even know if this thing was gonna fly, so I think we did all right. Yeah, I'm quite happy with the fact that. Like your computer hasn't decided that today was the day that it was going to. Whoop! We've got to the end. Success. Keep your nuts crossed. We don't know. We ain't over yet. I still gotta. I still gotta strip the audio out and see how it goes. <laughs> but <laughs> thoughts and prayers. T's and P's, bro. T's and P's. Yeah. <laughs> but man, you as always, you brought up great points. You made me think. I appreciate it, man. So I know you're tired. You've been up all night. Why don't you hit the rack? But before you do, tell them where people can find you. Get at you for questions, feedback, whatever. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChrissyC90. Um, that's a capital C, small H, R-I-C-Y, capital C, E-E, 9-0. Uh, Twitter's the best place to get me, or on Discord and Docs's community server. Um, everything will be linked in descriptions. Yeah, and if, if we can get the video, if the video episode translated really well, you can also leave comments on your Facebook, or on your YouTube, sorry. Yeah, on my YouTube, um, which is the same uh, name on that as well. Cool, man. Cool. And, uh, you know, you guys, you know, you at this point, you guys know me. I'm Dr. Ryan. You can find me, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks back on Twitch. Uh, but you can find me at YouTube. I don't have a custom YouTube URL. I'm not that popular yet. Just look up <laughs> Dr. Ryan YouTube. You'll get my vlogs and my rants and shit, which I can record videos. So I'm probably going to do more YouTube shit in the next couple of weeks. And you can also get at me on Twitter at Dox Ryan or at Instagram. I mean, I always want to hear what you guys think. I always want to hear what your thoughts are. Do us a favor. If you are listening to this on the audio version, please rate and favorite it. Uh, you know, write a review if you can. If you hit us up on our YouTubes because you watched the video version, leave a comment, like, share, all that shit. We appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Chris, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.